from the broken ruins of Babylon. This is End of Days Radio. I am your host, Daniel, broadcasting to you from all the way here in the Emerald City. Boy, I botched that. All the way here. Fuck it. I'm Daniel. This is End of Days Radio. The date is November 20th, 2020. Yes, it is still the year of hellfire and misery and pain. Are you ready to have a good time? Thank you for joining me. I'm so glad you guys could be here. I'm so sorry for doing a show like every three months. I know that sucks. And I know I always promise to do more shows. But hey, I'm human. And I don't get paid for this. So take what you can get. No, I'm just I'm just kidding, guys. I apologize, really, I do. You are going to love this show. We are going to do a special roundtable. I know that's many of your favorites. I know it's many of your favorites doing the roundtable show. You guys, like, after we did the last one, you were like, oh my god, Daniel, what are you going to do with another roundtable show? We're going to do another one. And here we are. We're going to do it. Uh, group together and talk about this stuff. So today, we have the infamous Rachel Tobias... And I'm going to let them kind of introduce themselves. She's been on our show before. Uh, very popular guest. Somebody that uh, people have commented quite a bit about and requested she come back. And our other guest today is going to be Dave Sara, a longtime friend of the show. He's been on like, what, five or six times. But I'm going to go ahead. And... This is my fourth. Hey, there you are. Fourth? I... You're keeping track? So, Yeah. Excellent. So, Dave, why don't we start off with you? If you don't mind, could you just kind of tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're up to? Sure. Of course. Yes. Dave Sarah, of course. I'm on uh, Twitter, Dave Exhale. Uh, you'll find me on YouTube, Dave Sarah. Um, I, ha- I work a nine to five at night. I've been trying to do comedy for the past four years. It's been going okay, but obviously since now it's been a little hectic. So, but I've decided to uh, turn a little more efforts to the internet and uh, see if I can um, raise my platform there a little bit. So I'm here. Very glad to be here again. By the way, happy belated birthday, sir. Oh, you remembered it's my birthday? Are you kidding me? I can't believe that. That's We have been friends for a long time. I mean, we met in 2006. That's a trip. I didn't think anybody really gave a shit, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's always good when people remember that you were born at some point. Rachel, how about you? Uh, I apologize for not uh, preparing you for this, but hey, who are you? What are you up to? Distracting because my boyfriend's driving. I'm not. So I'm not going to crash everything. And uh, like, I have a busy schedule, but you know, evil doesn't sleep, Babylon, so forth, like you mentioned. But if it is distracting, for sure, you know, let me know. Anyway, who am I? I am a comedian from New York. And I also do, I am a co-host of RTR Truth Media on Sundays. Um, I used to be a big Bernie supporter. And 2016 election, WikiLeaks emails, all that stuff changed my mind quite a bit. I am now a voluntary, you know, free market anarchist. Whatever, property rights, everything like that. Um and I've done open mics uh, for stand-up. I've done some anarchy festivals for stand-up. I did body painting at Burning Man. All kinds of interesting stuff. Uh, so that's um, a couple things about me. Excellent. So I wanted to 
you know, obviously I brought you guys here because I wanted to talk about the crazy state of the world. Let's start with Dave. I want to know what was it like when you found out that there was a virus wrecking havoc in this world? Well, I'll be completely honest. I mean, I tend to follow this stuff pretty closely um, as far as like quote unquote conspiracies go. I have been for a long time. And um, this, well, this one did kind of seem to come up pretty quick. Um, it's it, it uh, to me at first, all the videos that were coming out of China, I thought were bullshit, burning bodies or something. Oh, look at all the methane gas coming from China. They're burning bodies, getting rid of the evidence. Um, excuse me. But, um, yeah, I remember it came on pretty quick. I thought that was odd. And then, um, the whole, everybody thought that we were going to be dying in the streets. But I think what's most important is that along with the, the news about the virus, I feel like there was also a parallel effort to send misinformation as well with it. And that's kind of the first time where I feel like a story was like launched. I feel like it was a so uh, coordinated effort to launch both sides of this and you divide. I felt like the whole, the whole point of it was to divide. How about you, Rachel? Um, I do remember like Dave, I do remember the videos coming out of China and they were very odd. People collapsing public places, you know, shaking on the ground, people uh, having the police show up at their door and I guess like weld them into their house, like odd things coming out of China was definitely weird. And by that point, I mean, I've done some research in false flags and, and hoaxes and different things. I wrote like a 15 page paper on Parkland that I had sent to Jim Fetzer. <laughs> so it was already on my radar in the sense of, you know, hey, something's odd coming out with all these videos and everything like that. And uh, I wasn't sure what to make of it. And even now, in terms of the virus in of itself, I don't think we'll ever 100% know everything. Of course, it's a lot easier just to kind of refute the mainstream narratives and, and also the government's response and so forth. And, um this is definitely coordinated. Like for anyone who has ever said to me, oh, you know, for, for all these conspiracies, they could never be true, any of them, because it would require too much coordination, you know, too many factions working together. Someone would have to tell, there'd have to be a whistleblower, you know, there's no way. I hope that people, you know, I'm not saying every conspiracy is true, but I hope that people at least kind of understand like that doesn't hold water when you have international protests in tandem you know, for George Floyd and everything with these viruses, you know, international riots, everything like that, way, 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 way too coordinated for this just to be something that's organic or somebody eating fat soup from a Chinese wet market. Yeah, I have to say the Chinese wet market thing always disturbed me quite a bit because A, it sounds kind of made up and stupid, and B, I didn't know what a fucking Chinese wet market was before that. Dude, so when you find those videos out, are yeah. crazy now. Oh man, I've seen this like ripped, she like a like a, almost like a UFC female UFC fighter type body 
abs ripped and she's just going at an a a, a chicken just a, a live chicken she's eating it li- alive easy she was eating it but a, li- a living chicken she was like a living chicken yes she was eating eating a living chicken i think the point of that is because somehow if you cook something when it's still alive it tastes like 0.001% better mm. Well, I mean, they have those, uh, you know, there's a French delicacy, I believe, where you drown a type of bird in, in like whiskey or brandy or something, or some type of rum, some type of alcohol. You drown the bird in it and then you cook the bird. But the point is to put it alive. Follow us for more coronavirus recipes. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. See, I'm, I'm not like, a big vegan or anything like that, but I typically don't like to eat anything where the animal has to suffer. Like the whole thing with the lobsters, tossing lobsters in boiling water. And I'm supposed to be okay with that. That's monstrous. That's the torture. Your kids were just like tapping on the glass just before dinner. Like, Oh look, it's cool. Little lobster. It comes to your table and like, look, it's the lobster you were playing with a few minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. This next topic is, is very important to me. And I'd like your thoughts on this. Um, let's go to Rachel first this time. What What is your overall opinion on Joe Rogan? I, just to sum it up, I think Joe Rogan was cool back in the day. I think he was much more independent. I think he was funny and I appreciate his stand-up. But I think he just kind of sold out. He used to be like a libertarian and then he became a big party supporter. And this whole thing with Spotify, him signing this huge contract, which like, you know, on some level, it's like as him being a professional podcaster, I don't blame him. But I think he put himself in a terrible position where they're deleting things or censoring things. And if he was true to his fans, true to the integrity of his message and true to really being like this renaissance dude you know, whatever, I think he, he should break that contract with Spotify and give the money back. And I know it's easier said than done, but it just seems odd. He kind of seems like a bit of an Alex Jones 2.0, and I don't appreciate the fact that he admitted to not really believing in the moon conspiracy, but just kind of saying, oh yeah, I just said things because I wanted the controversy. So I think he's kind of disingenuous, and also I think he's misleading um, Owen Benjamin is a comedian that I like. I don't agree with everything, but I do agree with Owen's estimate of Rogan, where it's like for someone who's searching for truth and someone who's searching for a way out of the mess of modern life, they're gonna glom onto Rogan because he seems like this sort of, like I said, a Renaissance, a Renaissance man. They're gonna look to him as some kind of leadership, and he's gonna just suggest like, oh, you know, the whole DMT thing. He really has no answers for people so that's maybe that's harsh but that's kind of my assessment you know what dude that's i agree with that so much in in some face like i love joe rogan i watch joe rogan every single episode um the um the thing you have to understand and decipher for yourself is that joe rogan is a comedian and and i've i've come to learn over the past however many years of being on the internet you, you have to get the type of information from the type of people that you want. And I think what you're going off of what you're saying, Rachel, about, about people, he's, doesn't, he doesn't, he's not really saying anything. It's kind of true because people watch the show for the guests, yes, but they're, they're looking for 
Joe's reaction to the guests more than w- listening to what the guests are saying most of the time. And it, o- it only takes sometimes a really captivating, cap- uh, captivating, captivating, um, like interview or, or like a person like, let's say Grant Hancock or these people that are able to eloquently express their, their thoughts. And, and people sometimes on some of these other shows where the information is good it, what happens is it turns into an, it turns into what is Joe? How is Joe reacting to it? And you're kind of getting your news from Joe that way. Whereas you know, like I get, I, you have to take everything with the like, it's a very cliche saying. You have to take everything with a grain of salt. And like I don't look to Joe for like my pi- political ideals or commentary on p- uh, politics. I sometimes will look to the guests that he has. You know, Tim Pools, people like that. Like I I love the type of work that they do. So. um but but it just felt even like in that episode, just to give you an example, like people are outraged more of like, um, you know, uh, when they watch an episode with Tim Pool or Alex Jones, what are they outraged about? They're not even outraged about the topic or the guest. They're outraged about Joe's thing. And, and it's and I think the reason is because he seems so decentralized from the system that like. It, and he has such a huge he touches such a huge population of people that the the narrative in any given subject since he covers so many subjects can can get kind of culty sometimes so on every little thing he talk, t- touches on he's got rabid fans because he has so many fans in general that just rabid fans in, in every single in, in every single thing di- trying to dissect what he says yeah, I have to agree with what both of you said. Um, especially the thing about how people will listen for Joe Rogan's opinion on things, because I suppose that's something I didn't really get when I first started doing this. I, I was all about, oh, it's about the guest. I don't want to make it about me. That's rude. That's rude. You can't do that. You can't have an opinion. You can't argue with the guest. You can't like bitch somebody out or get... Uh, but the thing is you can you actually can you can have weird awkward moments and uncomfortable moments and it can work because you really do want people to listen to you too and i think it's a double-edged sword for joe because on one hand he he has that fan base and then the other thing is he does get a lot of that sort of venomous hate going on especially from the um you know the liberal sort of blm antifa crowd lately it seems to be just Really, they, those type of people really seem to be going after him because, um, you know, J- Joe Rogan, he's into hunting and he's into like saying certain crazy things about society are stupid. So if you're, if you come off like you're conservative or blue collar or that type of person, or if you have any conservative viewpoints, the media and everybody's just going to totally come after you. They're going to go after you like crazy. And it's, it's really sad to see that because Joe Rogan is not. A conservative. He's like he's kind of like Howard Stern. I think he's he's kind of in the middle. He gives his opinion um, almost more siding with the left. I think a little bit. Yet he still has this huge army of freaking weirdos that are targeting him on Twitter, and it's really a shame. Yeah, I mean the the interesting thing about that is that um, you now what you're what I'm I've really felt over the past few years is that. It, the only thing that I kind of get mad at him about is that he, I feel like his views, I feel like he throws however, I don't even, I don't even want to, I don't even, I don't want to pigeonhole left and right. I mean, I hate that so much, but we have to just for the sake of like the argument, like the beat, 
like he he kind of he kind of panders to them in a little way by like by like throwing them some red meat you know what i mean to like he like you know he's very for like health health rights you know i'm not health rights but like being a he- living a healthy life um and then also you know conservation of land and conservation those are all kind of like liberal ideals sort of and um so yeah i think he kind of like now he just doesn't i feel like he just doesn't want to deal with this shit and he's just trying to keep his money safe because god knows they'll fucking cancel it as and 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 he in a sense he might be above that already he might be at a level where you can't really cancel him anymore but he did just sign a hundred million dollar deal with a second company you know what I mean? Like he's been on YouTube for so long. And so, I mean, I don't know if you call it selling out or saving your ass. Maybe. I don't really know. He's like, maybe he's thinking, fuck, I better get my money now. So, that, and just, I got a five-year deal. Whatever happens after that happens after that. Yeah. I didn't it's know like, about all that stuff with, uh, I mean, I knew about the Carlos Mencia thing where he was like confronting him on stage, but I did not know. Oh, yeah. How, that was years ago. Yeah. I listened to more of it. Like, cause you know those guys they just talk about endlessly i looked i listened to some of the more recent ones where they go back and talk about or actually joe rogan specifically he goes back and he talks about it and at that comedy club they're treating joe like shit they were literally just like no totally favoring carlos mencia and it's crazy because joe rogan is massively huge now like he he literally he literally um you mm-hmm. know he can do certain things because he's so big he can get a get away with a lot but there was a time in his life where he was literally getting buried by people that were kind of you know assholes that weren't supporting him so he had people actively working against him i i can't help but find that interesting that he you know kind of overcame that and fought back and I, i think we could all learn a lesson from that that you should stand up for yourself if somebody's like fucking ripping you off or something like that i guess that would be my next question for you guys yeah i'll go ahead and go ahead go ahead no go ahead oh, oh actually, i just want to say real fast go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> somebody go <laughs> no i'm sorry i i just want to say real fast um there's a couple of things to this one even to our listeners and, and people just in general, it's like obviously one of the biggest takeaways from doing conspiracy research or trying to understand what's going on is you need to think for yourself, right? Not get attached to a particular figure, much like with Jeff Berwick and Anarcha Poco or, you know, Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens, whoever, whoever, Alex Jones, whoever is the person that people tend to idolize to search for that pursuit of truth, not get caught up in the person presenting the information while still still holding those people accountable. And another thing too is how do we navigate the system? Like for instance, right? If Joe Rogan didn't compromise himself at all, he probably wouldn't get to talk to Jack Dorsey per se, or you know, have the platform that he does, the followers that he does, the resources he has. And I'm, you know, he did work hard to his credit. I'm just saying that how do you navigate the system that we currently have while simultaneously not trying to feed that system, not trying to prop that up. Obviously, a lot of people I like, like Ryan Dawson of Anti-Neocon Report, Titus Frost, you know, have been uh, in the past either booted off YouTube or banned or demonetized, whatever. And and they're consistent, right? Like, and just to be clear, I just want to say real fast, um, not everyone that gets banned from a platform means that they're telling the truth and not everyone that stays on a platform means that they're lying. So people need to get rid of this weird. uh, I know they're looking for consistency. They're looking for answers, but like, let's not get caught up on that. I 
idea of, you know, the game that the uh, social media technocrats are playing, okay? Again, just because someone stays on a platform doesn't mean that they're telling the truth or that they're lying. And just because someone gets booted off doesn't mean that they were lying or telling the truth. It needs to be within the consistency of their claims. So back to Rogan again, just, you know, how do we navigate getting a platform? There were opportunities where he had Jack Dorsey on the show and he didn't grill him as hard as he could. It's kind of like, you know, what can people do to get that platform without, again, feeding into these contracts and things? It's a, it's a difficult question, right? But at the end of the day, whatever we do, if we compromise, we're kicking the can down the road, essentially. Yeah, I, I know precisely what you mean. It's been a, a great fear of mine. It's something I've been concerned with. You know, I talk about all the time. How long am I going to get away with this? I'm covering things that I should not be talking about. And every day it gets worse and worse. And there's more control in terms of forcing us to wear masks and stuff like that. But I want to uh, circle back just a little bit. And because you you both are comedians, I wanted to ask your opinion about people stealing your art, people stealing your work. Like, let's say something happens similar to Joe Rogan and some guy is going up there and using your bits or using your jokes and, and not even doing a good job of making it their own. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Rachel this time. How do you handle a situation like that? Has it happened to you? How do you handle a situ situation like that? What are your thoughts on that type of deal in general? Um, it's happened only a little bit, not that much, which I, I guess that means I got to write better jokes. So a couple of things i've had people like i've had one person take a quote i wrote a something that said like you know we're never going to change anything until the words um psyop and false flag and hoax are in the public lexicon or something like that like i said that and then someone took it verbatim and reposted it didn't they didn't retweet me they, they copied and pasted it on their twitter as if they had said it and so you know i was a dick and i found it on their twitter and i just said like oh thanks for sharing my tweet and i reposted my tweet that was from like clearly the timestamp from like an you know previous months earlier <laughs> like um I guess it's it's a dick thing to do to steal people's jokes and there is such a thing as parallel thinking I'm always happy if I say something that's similar to something that Tim Dillon has said you know or the same subject but there's I think there's definitely a difference between just talking about the same subject or saying something similar and literally quoting verbatim I mean in the past that's something that's really happened Louis CK has kind of talked about that with um Dane Cook I think stole jokes verbatim mm -hmm. and I also yep and real fast, I think, um, oh my God, um, Amy Schumer stole jokes from uh, Patrice O'Neill, mm -hmm. who mysteriously was, ended yeah. up dying. Yeah, mm. so I think it's bad. I think it's a problem. I haven't truly experienced it that much again because, like, I'm not, you know, super famous enough to steal from. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, it's the same thing. Kind of like I've never, I've never had any jokes of mine stolen, and that's uh, not that I know of. Um, typically, if I if I'm able to put videos up on my YouTube, I will. So like usually I have something to go back and point to. I have had my video, like I haven't had little compilations of videos um, just kind of like taken without giving credit to, but nothing really crazy, but that's dude, the fact I, dude, I never thought about, I never thought about Patrice O'Neill being, being killed by Amy Schumer, who is guess who Chuck Schumer's what net niece. Oh, 
Whoa, I didn't say he was killed by her. No, no, no. I'm just saying that I never put those two together. Oh, I know you did. Okay. I'm just saying that that's, <laughs> I've never put those two together. And that's interesting. But see, too, what you have to realize also, and um, now I know guys like Chris Rock do have writers. And obviously, you have to vet them very well. Like Nate Bargatze used to be a writer for Chris, uh, Chris Rock, I believe. And uh, I, I think uh, other famous comedians have as well. Um, but like, this is the issue sometimes, too, is with when you just have a fucking writing team and you're not vetting your jokes or whatever. And this is how you sniff out a fucking like a, a like a like somebody who's trying to infiltrate the comedy world as Sam Tripoli suspects is you know where are they getting their material material from and and like when <clears throat> when you're getting it from writers sometimes they're just fucking they're just like whatever write this and they're not getting vetted and then the person goes and does the joke pretty much verbatim and it's like well shit, shit. it's it's like this comic didn't even know but i mean it's their job to know so i don't like when people give me jokes i hate it like whenever someone's like oh this is great you should use this in your act it's just even if it's awesome, I'm like, no, I don't want to. And then a bigger problem I have is when people I work with or people who don't do comedy tell me to do something. And I'm like, no one's going to understand that engineering joke or this particular thing joke. that anyone outside this office. Like, no one is going to find that funny. It has to be universal. It, it, like, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I was wondering, like, what's the opposite of satire? I mean, is it drama? It, I feel like even it could be even like something crazy like totalitarianism or something. Like the opposite <laughs> of satire is like somehow totalitarianism. I guess it's optimism, right? I guess. It's fascism. Really what do you think, Daniel? What do you think? You're um, muted. Fascism, Nazism, maybe oh. feminism. I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. I've always, like, what is the complete opposite? Like, what's the antonym of satire? I mean, it's got to be. But see that like that's drama. hard to define anyway. in general because like you can ask somebody, yeah, oh, what what is a joke? What is humor? And or how do you do it? And it's like, well, it's like when this happens and people laugh. I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's it's when something yeah, ironic I mean, it's happens. Like, it's like um like wait, okay, well, but then here's the here's the issue, right? I've got friends that uh, they're so sarcastic. That you don't even know when they're not being sarcastic anymore. Sure. You can't tell whether they're fucking stupid or sarcastic anymore because every th- every time they talk, they have to talk with some sort of sarcastic twang, and it gets and it's fucking confusing. Excuse my language. Like, sarcasm is when someone doesn't have any creativity. You can't. You have to like sprinkle and pepper that in. Ooh, you can't just good... constantly use sarcasm in every. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Crutch. I mean, I'll kind of have that problem where. I'll be like at work or something and you know, the end of days guy will kind of start to creep out a little bit. Like somebody might mention something about the pandemic or say something about Trump or something. I'm like, ugh, ugh. like I have to hold myself back. Cause I just want to launch into all the shit about conspiracies of the new world order, the Illuminati and demons and all kinds of stuff like that. But I can't like, I can't talk about demons to people at work. I'll get fired first of all. And, They'll want nothing to ever do with me. I, I just like, I don't even feel like I can really be like zany or sarcastic because I, I just don't feel comfortable with that. I don't feel like I can be myself at work or I can be myself in those types of situations. I feel like I have to just kind of 
go with the flow. And the more time continues, the more I just feel like I'm not able to be myself. Like I got to be this guy and then I got to be this guy. I, I can't be like on all the time or anything like that. Yeah, don't. Uh, there's no need to try and red pill people. Don't worry. I don't like this whole notion. <laughs> I know we talked about it last time. Like, I don't like this notion of red pill people, blue pill people, black pill people. All that does is, it, all that does is fuel more separation and divide. In fact, it divides you into six pieces somehow. Somehow you're now fucking black pill, white pill, blue pill, red pill. Like, come on, dude. There's you don't. That's not your obligation. It's not your obligation. People, when people want to know information, they seek it. I mean, it's very simple. Yeah, I agree that everyone should be unified under a nationalist bill. I, I feel like is that what you were getting at? Uh, unified under what? I, I was just teasing you. I think he's advocating for people to be unified under a popular nationalist bill. I feel like it's no, I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not saying. <laughs> okay, I get. Well, I can see where that could come off that way. However, I mean, I do think like unity sounds like such a crazy idea to some people, but I mean, it's just mutual benefit, beneficial, like mutually beneficial. You just want, you don't want. Sorry, my phone keeps going off. No worries. You don't so want, th- this is a perfect want, time. To I mean, I, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I don't want freedom. At the expense of somebody else. Well, this is the perfect time. I don't want time. luxury at the expense of somebody else, but that's how the society works. This is a perfect time for me to bring up the next topic I want to talk about. Obviously, things are getting crazy out there. We have this whole fighting in the streets, war in the streets, opposing gangs. Like, it's starting to look more and more like gangs of New York. We have, on one side, we've got Antifa um, and, and Black Lives Matter and... Uh, I think that's pretty much it for those guys and, and random liberals and people like that. And then on the other side, you've got what Proud Boys, Boogaloo Boys, uh, Patriot Prayer, and stuff like that. Um, I I just never well, have. Are, so are Boogaloo Boys like? Is that an actual group or is that like a type of person? I think both, maybe. Isn't a Boogaloo Boy like a? Isn't it like a? Isn't it like a classification of what a Boogaloo Boy? But do they have like a? chapter like a boogaloo boy chapter i think so i don't know I yeah it's that organized i think it's more of an individual yeah i think it's it i think like... they it's like the people they account for that kind of comes in and you don't really know where they lie they just kind of come in like no, i'm fucking it's drunk an idea, let's go fuck around not a group all oh, right right it's an idea not an organization <laughs> i mean and 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 they smartly are able to confuse everybody because they don't have any quote-unquote leaders but you know who the leaders are the motherfuckers that get the donations in the end because all that money who does it go to it doesn't, doesn't go to any doesn't go to black people doesn't go to blm doesn't doesn't go to those people at all doesn't go to communities that hundred million dollars where did it where does it go literally goes to the people who are actively um uh, what's the word? Actively putting together these. Uh, the yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like Slash. the leaders yeah. or the the manipulators, the people that are like recruiting. There, I know what you mean. Like they say that they don't have or any central. Checks. Yeah, like they don't have any leaders. They they do that in case one of them gets caught, and it's like, oh, well, who's who are and you in a they... group with? Nobody. It's it's, it's very manipulative. Because then what you could do is you go. You don't because if their donations coming in. That's so easy to mask because you, you just take the donation and split it however you want. There's only, you know, it's just it's perfect. It's beautiful, actually. Yeah, I, 
you you you've heard that term a single cell organization like one of us one of us gets caught we're good because you know it's just a single cell nobody knows what it's attached to that's kind of like antifa i don't know about some of these other groups but um my main question is like what what are your opinions in general that are we headed towards a civil war does either side make sense to you is this like a, a psyop or something like that um let's go ahead and go with you first this time, Dave, uh, what what are your general thoughts on this election and the riots and the fighting, mainly the, mainly the fighting and the violence? Because that's what really strikes a chord with me the most and, and most makes me like, whoa, this is getting bad. What do you think about that, that, Dave? Well, I think that it's exactly what globalists wanted. I think it's exactly how I think the the big box companies are loving it. Corporate America is loving it. They don't care. It's helping them. Their stocks are all going up. But I, I think that the the I think that the bigger issue is that it's obvious that 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 we're being manipulated to to stretch us out and separate us. I think they want two sides. They love that idea of there just being two sides. They love this idea, and it's, it's been more. It's been. See, and then the, what they'll do is they'll keep separating. They'll be now, then it'll move to something else. Then it'll be, it's the people that are going to go outside versus the people who are going to stay home. It's going to be the people who wear a mask versus the people who don't wear a mask. And um, so, okay, that's a very cliche argument for me to say. But with the whole election, we fucking saw it. We heard it from both sides. There was going to be issues. And lo and behold, there were issues. Now, the it's very irresponsible for the mainstream media to do what they did, which was just informally declare Biden the winner because of how it's usually goes, which is, uh, you know, they figured out, but they, because, because all these States are being contested, they shouldn't have the wherewithal that, that they don't do because nothing's been certified. Now that's, I think is a concerned F is a, is a effort that was, is manipulated from way from the top. And, Whatever, like there's no uh, evidence really of it yet. I mean, the Trump side has been saying evidence, evidence. I haven't released the Kraken for fucking, you know, weeks and days. And and I get it. It's a whole thing. The whole Q thing. I mean, it's just a it's a fucking it's a whole Internet thing. It's like these bot farms in the background that are like, you know, it's all of that put together. And it's not even happening from Russia or from China. It's happening from here within the United States. Like these three, even and and the Trump the Trump side is just as guilty of it as the left is. Like it's like uh, the it's like these three X farms, right? You've heard of these? Like this type. Of, this is what controls. Wait, the hold shit on. That a, you th- see, th- you said three X farm. I'm not familiar with that. What is that? It's okay. It's like a it's like a version of like it's like a basically like um and i and i don't know exactly i mean there might there's gonna be people that would know way more and getting mad at me for the way i'm trying to explain it but it's not even like you know how okay this is different from when you pay a bot or whatever to like give you more followers okay this is different than that this is like even more in the background and more undetectable and what they do is they take old accounts from like twitter that are un that I have been that have gone bad and they're, they're able to get into and they basically make millions of bots out of it. It might be similar to what like they're saying came out with the whole DARPA thing. But anyway, there's ways to find this these there's ways to pay 
money on the dark net for you to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers on your, on your things. And it's actually fraud because they're defrauding companies like AdSense and stuff like that, because they think that they're getting real interaction because they test it, but they don't know that. I mean, they might know, they probably do know, but they don't care because the consultants are making money or the salespeople are making money. The real suits don't understand it or the legal team doesn't really get it because they don't, they're, they're not, they're not beyond the veil. It's like over their heads, kind of it's over their heads. Yeah. And so like they're, they're, so like they're, they're, these are fraudulent, these are fraudulent accounts and people don't know. And Twitter, I'm sure knows to some extent, but then they don't care because again, they're a capitalist. I mean, what's a shill? I mean, a shill is really is like, is it like a, it's supposed to be like a gambler who comes in to like fake that's brought in by the casino to like, to like boost the action. I mean, it, the real way to find a shill is see who these fucking bot farms are working for. And sometimes they don't even know that they're doing it, that, that like they do it. It could be marketing consult. Like you could pay a marketing company hundreds of thousands of dollars and they'll say, yeah, we'll get you a million subscribers or whatever, real subscribers. And they do. And they're actually defra- def- they're, they're frauding the AdSense people. But nobody cares because everybody's getting their money along the way. And the customer is happy. How about you, Rachel? What do you think of the no, war? No, I barely even talked about the election. <laughs> it's all good. You can touch back on it. What do you I think heard. of war in the streets? <laughs> So here's what I think. I think that um, a couple of things. One, it's not that everything's a conspiracy, but most things are a grift. I've kind of come to that conclusion. Um, I think in terms of the election, it's a psyop within a psyop. So elections overall are inherently illegitimate. They're inherently fraud because from the anarchist perspective, and I don't mean ANCOM, I mean like, you know, ANCOM, voluntary free market, whatever. Uh, just no one has the right to rule over you. No one has the right to self-ordain themselves God or King or whatever. And, you know, there's obviously problems with democracy. And so it's kind of these levels of like, hey, it's not supposed to be a democracy, but it's supposed to be a constitutional republic. But the constitution doesn't stop the government from doing what it wants. It will either amend it, interpret it how it wants, or just ignore it completely. There is no real checks and balances aside from people saying no. That is, and not complying as civil disobedience and not demanding we keep government on life support. With the election, I see it like a Hollywood script. I see it this way. I think that there was massive fraud, election fraud specifically. I think that Trump will probably go to the Supreme Court, he'll win in the Supreme Court, and we'll have another four years of Trump. Because the reason I say that is not because I believe in the justice system, not because I like Trump, and not because, you know, I think he stole the election. I think because that is the trajectory of what would cause the most chaos and craziness. That'll cause the left to melt down and it will cause the right to go back to sleep. And that way, like Trump will be able, it will be less of an acceleration of the new world order, the great reset um, than under Biden, but it would still be, I mean, again, the way I see is the control grid has all dogs in the race, right? Either way you swing it, you're getting the new world order. One at a slower rate, the other accelerated. And it's also odd to me because Biden, probably Trump too, but Biden is so clearly a pedophile 
it's weird to me to see people dancing the streets in a so-called pan- pandemic celebrating a pedophile. It's just, to me, this is such a time where the narratives, the story are so contrived and so crazy and so predictable that people need to see this for the farce that what it is. You know, like I said, it's sad because in the stupid fake right-left paradigm, the Trump supporters, you know, aren't holding Trump accountable for things, not enough. I mean, some of them are criticizing his vaccine plan, but in general, not enough. They're not calling him for giving money to Gabby. They think he's not a globalist for some reason, even though he married his daughter off to a Kabbalist Kushner, whatever. Like, even though you have Israel intervening election at the end of the day, anyone who's telling you, and especially Q or whatever, to trust a plan, to not verify, to just believe in a person or a system or to do anything outside of yourself and your self-responsibility, you know, doesn't pass that litmus test. And in addition to the powers that shouldn't be that are vying for power, again, their guy is Trump, their guy is Biden. Either way, you're getting new world order, right? Um, People need to really see through the psyop for what it truly is. And I, I just think, you know, that that's at least the trajectory of, how I predict that things are going to go. And in terms of real fast, in terms of riots and things like that, people need to understand there's a breakdown of things that are happening. There's legitimate people who are protesting, who are upset about real grievances. There's paid off protesters, right, from Soros money. You've got undercover agents like cops breaking windows trying to start riots. You've got Democrats or whatever sending bricks and stuff. So you have all these layers of different people with their own agenda that are overlapping. And people defacing their own property. Sorry. Yeah. What frustrates me too is the mainstream media, the government, they want a civil war so badly so that they could call martial law. So they can justify their surveillance state. And it is so frustrating because if the left and the right refuse to fight, if they refuse to organically take to the streets, they would send paid rioters and protesters to go do it i sincerely believe that they would manufacture a civil war just again you know if if you're seeing the same people bust at different protests or whatever the thing in kenosha it's very odd to me i i think that i don't know if we'll ever have an organic civil war but i think you would definitely have a manufactured one and that is unfortunate again for all the people that are upset about the things that they feel trump you know validates them for i just wish that they would fight the system and the government of where it really is instead of just fighting on behalf of trump do you know what i mean yeah Yeah. what and that's true too and it's like hold on what sorry let me just make this quick point which is like this this is kind of the dangerous thing where you've seen where i've seen a flip happen right before our fucking eyes which is traditionally um, a decentralized government, meaning giving more state power and states' rights, has been a right-wing, conservative, Republican stance, whatever, however you want to phase it. It's been that – they've been kind of the – trumping that uh, – uh, using that flag. And for the Democrats or the left or the liberals or however you want to define it, they've been on – they've been they've like a more centralized government, you know, like uh, help us out a little more, blah, blah, blah. Which we what have we seen recently? We've seen the fucking the the Democratic ran states say, "All right, you want a decentralized government? Fucking here, I'm not gonna come enforce come enforce the law. What are you gonna do? So 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 basically, what you've done is 
you could take you can have a governor revolt basically the governor say no okay we're gonna run are the rules we want to you now it's on you to come and enforce them you want federal law you want your federal laws to supersede ours come and enforce them yeah it's almost like a challenge where eventually something has to give and indeed somebody's gonna have to like go and do that very thing there's going to be there's going to have to be some kind of federal intervention and what's going to be the narrative then the narrative is look they want look they want to uh suppress your rights it's like and like they can't tell us what to do this is your land this is your state uh we know what's best for our state well what puzzles me is i was watching a documentary or youtube video or something about antifa and they said like antifa has pretty much always been around especially in europe i believe but ever since the trump administration they said that the membership has pretty much tripled and then that that kind of struck a chord with me and recently i was watching something about the proud boys and the proud boys actually didn't even start until about 2016 the exact same year that that trump became president um you know you know i don't i don't know where exactly they come from but i'm suspicious i'm suspicious because why all of a sudden is there like this standing army for donald i'll tell you exactly what happened i don't remember the i don't remember the exact i don't know if you know the story too rachel but i don't know the exact um speaker that 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 gavin mckinnis was trying to go and listen to but there was a conservative speaker that there were that that antifa was targeting specifically Either at schools or is in it public... Caitlin Bennett? Mm, I don't or remember. I, I, I don't remember. Okay. And and so so Gavin McInnes kind of put together a group of what he called Proud Boys, and it was just kind of like as a joke um, to go and and protect these people from the fucking because because they're basically they were they were trying to champion as protectors of free speech, and then you know everything gets crazy after that white supremacist races all that shit just gets you know thrown around but it, well, it literally started off as a joke well two things real fast one the mainstream media likes to use QAnon as like a straw man right like they like to build up an enemy or a, a red herring or whatever and then they'll defer to that so everything gets lumped in like how many times this happened to me i mentioned conspiracy and someone's like oh infowars oh alex jones oh david ike it's like incredibly frustrating like those people don't get to own conspiracies and you know um so i think that q in itself is definitely definitely a psyop yeah i have to agree well, with that from what, in fact the, on, uh, Daniel? well I, I know for sure that QAnon is a psyop um you know a strange thing happened to me i, I mentioned it on the uh, show I, I went on a few days ago the uh, beyond the strange podcast but um i got really obsessed with that whole isaac cappy tracy twyman thing you know, they both pretty much wound up dead and I was kind of trying to follow their footsteps in a way. I mean, obviously I wasn't as involved in research as they are. Can you tell me that story? I have no idea what story you're talking about. Well, uh, so there's this actor named Isaac Cappy and he's friends with Seth Green and a bunch of other people. He's been in a lot of movies. Like if you actually look him up, like on a Wikipedia, he's been in a, on a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. Like I didn't think he was a serious actor at first, but I, kind of looked him up and he, he's What's been the name in one like, more time the name uh isaac cappy and he was uh i think he might have been in one of the terminator movies or something like that but anyways he got really into this QAnon stuff and he started actually 
going after the child molesters and he was making videos about Jeffrey Epstein and videos about other, mm. you know, other act. Like he was really going after uh, Seth Green, Seth, Seth Green and his wife or girlfriend or whatever. He was just like saying that they were child molesters. They were, they had a hidden chamber in their house with like they're, they're imprisoning kids and molesting them and crap like that. Um, you know, it didn't seem like it would be accurate to me at the time, but now I just don't know. It probably is true. I don't know. But he ended up dead. He got uh, something happened to him. They said that he jumped, but he wound up going over an overpass and just getting smashed on the ground underneath. So he actually committed suicide and crazy. And he was running around with a researcher and author, a woman that was going on all these different podcasts and even like, I think she might've been on coast to coast. I'm not sure, but she was getting big Tracy Twyman. She's an author and she was like, kind of on the darker side she was channeling and doing like occult magic stuff and talking to baphomet baphomet and stuff like that but she wound up dead too like she she hung herself in her living room and uh she was saying she was getting all these gang stalking with a red scarf something like that like she somebody was like threatening her and sending her messages like if you don't hurt yourself or you don't kill yourself we're gonna do something to your family or something like that and uh obviously I was really curious about that because she came on my show a long time ago and you know, I won't uh, keep going on and on, but um, these people that were bothering her, they started to mess with me, like whoever they are, like these paid shills or paid gang stalkers or whatever. And I I think that Mm -hmm. whole QAnon thing, I really do think it's some kind of honeypot. Like if you, if you tweet about, if you, if you use the hashtag or you go on their forums or you, engage with these people in any way you'll go on some lists and if you push it far enough they'll kind of start messing with you and what you talked about dave earlier with that whole uh x thing you know they take over the bots that's part of it dude that's part of it like they can actually yeah yeah yeah, yeah they, they can do this crazy shit with ai and crazy shit with all these algorithms and they can literally use that technology to make your life a living hell Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a you got something to add to that, Rachel? You muted yourself. <laughs> Sorry, I'm finally in a there you stable go. stable spot. Sorry about that. Great. I want to add too, in addition to the globalists and Trump and Biden and all these dynasty families that are vying for power and Hunter Hunter's laptop, which reminds me of the Wiener laptop 2.0 which is incredibly incriminating, worse than the mainstream media is mentioning at all with underage, you know, kids and his niece, uh, weird stuff. Um, I, yeah, that, I'm sorry to hear about um, <clears throat> Daniel with the, with the woman, but um, I was saying like, there's people like Jordan Sather and Tracy Beans and, and people who, in my opinion, Nicholas Fuentes, there's, in addition to all the high-level globalists, right, there's also just individuals like Candace Owen who are grifting off of people's pain. They're taking advantage of people looking for answers and looking for somewhere to go and someone to listen to them. And what strikes me so much is the phrase that QAnon tends to use so much is where we go, when we go all. It's like right into the gulag. If that's not a collectivist (laughs) communist phrase, like, (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. And to say, like, trust the plan, trust sessions, all these things. Again, the way I see it is the system gives you heroes and villains. I mean, even people, to be honest with you, like like Edward Snowden or Julian Assange, I don't necessarily trust those people. I tend to look at them as a limited hangout. It doesn't mean that 
the information they presented wasn't true or wasn't useful. It's just, I'm always highly suspicious. And I, and I, and I feel like, again, the mainstream, uh, these globalist controllers, they try to control the entire narratives, all the information coming out and who we tend to um, align ourselves with. So again, the litmus test, like I said, for anyone that you listen to is, do they preach self-sufficiency and you looking in yourself and doing the work, you know, or, or is it kind of contingent upon tuning in next week or just buying their book or, 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 you know, believing in that election process or believing back in that democracy kind of thing. Um, there's still unresolved things like, uh, uh, yeah, with Isaac Happy, there's a lot, if you want to learn more about that, Dave, uh, my friend Titus has made some awesome videos on DLive, and I think he just restarted his YouTube channel, Captain Titus Frost, but he talks about Pedogate and Pizzagate and all these things, which are legitimate, and the way that it works is you can have these legitimate conspiracies, and then, you know, either Ox Jones or someone else control opposition, whatever, will twist it. So, for instance, Pizzagate in of itself isn't about a child trafficking ring specifically out of a pizza place. Like, it's about the network of James Alphontus and his association with all these unsavory people that do money laundering through an art museum and all these other things that post things on Instagram. There's enough there to really warrant a real investigation, right? But the whole plot of it gets twisted into a different kind of story and then presented as a straw man argument to which the mainstream can latch onto. And then you can have a false flag or a hoax of some actor going in and shooting the pizza place. And that always happens. You're always going to have like, agent provocateurs that go and harass the crisis actors like with i don't know what i can can say they were sandy hook right <laughs> oh no they already gave us the ban <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you know i like for instance just be smart i know i don't have to say this to you guys but in general for people looking for truth and such it's like don't harass i mean i like to kind of make fun of david hogg all the time on twitter but in general it's like stupid to go harass the crisis actors in person and try to like you know what i mean there's a, there's a smart way to go about things so clearly it's it's an, a frustrating mess that we're in and it's also incredibly frustrating because people have to have if they truly care about their future and they truly care about getting through this dystopianness like they need to have the patience to unpack all the levels of PSYOP, to understand how they're being manipulated, why they're being manipulated, and the solutions of what they can do about it. Like, we have to address all of those things. And in, in the current time frame that we're in, which is so accelerated in this dystopia. Yeah, I feel like nobody has confidence in the idea that they have a voice in this country yeah and Even it's getting worse all too. the social media and all the ways you can get your ideas out and all the different th avenues you have it all kind of is still still goes even more so goes on deaf ears and i think that it's so important like it's so easy for um and, and i don't want to just keep blaming mainstream media because because these are you know these are for the most part, you know, you you want to believe that you have good cameramen and good journalists and decent people that work in the office and all that stuff. And and you want to think that it's just a couple of bad actors that really are able to just, you know, four or five or six or ten people can completely change a narrative which gives which which gives this like false idea of of 
innocent until proven guilty because they're able to just give they're able to either stop a juggernaut or create a juggernaut and it's and it's just like you know like a guy going into a pizza place and shooting it up looking for a basement there's no basement and there's a bullet in the hard drive or the whatever the fuck and it's so easy to just you know dismiss it because there's there's so there's so much momentum one way so this this next question i have this is a little bit different this is this is a very popular social issue and if you don't want to answer that's totally cool because i know this is one of those sort of dangerous topics but a lot of uh transgender people transgender women have been complaining about straight men not wanting to date them and i want to ask you both should a straight man should a straight man have to date or should there be pressure on a straight man to date a transgender woman? David, you, you go ahead first. Okay. I'm going to say this and I, I, and I want people to try and appreciate a level of satire that is needed in order to get certain points out sometimes, because I'm not, this isn't about trying to make fun of people, but, but how about instead of that question, how about the issue? And we go back to Joe Rogan who made this, this is kind of where Joe Rogan really steps into the shit and has people coming after him. When he starts to say stuff like lesbian women, naturally born women that are lesbians are getting mad that transgender men are turning or are transgendering into women. And then while they're in relationships with these naturally born lesbians, they commit all sorts of domestic violence against them. Okay. And so there's a real movement within the lesbian community to like, it's divided them because some girls are like, dude, this fucking guy who is a transgender now, I gave it a shot and then he literally gave me a shot. And so, and it goes also to with the competing. Like, how do you have fair competition when you literally allow a man? to transgender and then join the female sport. So those are my opinions on it. I gave this a shot. Then they gave me a shot. <laughs> All right, Rachel, what do you, what do you think? If you don't want to answer this one, that's cool. But what, what are your thoughts? I just talked about Sandy Hook. So I feel like this should be okay. Um, so my thoughts are this, and I kind of want to make three, three specific points here. One to answer your question directly Nobody should be pressured into dating anybody. I am all for consent, voluntary consent. And also anyone that's pressured into a relationship is going to be a miserable partner, regardless of orientation or whatever. So that's number one. And number two, I do want to say, um, it's difficult to communicate this and explain this, but it's possible to portray that a global homo you know, agenda exists while simultaneously conveying that there are individuals outside of that agenda. So for instance, you know, do I think that the control, you know, globalists, whatever, have this agenda to push transhumanism, to push uh, transsexuality, and to push children into that as well for eugenics purposes and things like that, and to push homosexuality and this and that? Yes, while simultaneously as a separate issue, I do think that there are individuals who are trans, individuals who are gay, who are not associated with that specific larger agenda. And it is a frustrating truth to say, like, I used to be on the left, I used to be progressive, I mean, I'm just, you know, libertarian anarchist, whatever. But 
Um, I think the conversation needs to be explained in a matter of evolutionary psychology. And I used to think, oh, if people on the right were intolerant of homosexuality or transsexuality, it was because it was out of their wheelhouse and that they just hated anything different from them. That was the um, programming that I just kind of was given, right? That I thought, oh, it must be that, surely. They're uncomfortable with anything that isn't novel to them. And I realized over time, from a, from an evolutionary and biological perspective, people want to know who they can mate with. So it's just like from a survival perspective, you want to know if someone is a specific gender because you want to know if you can have babies with them, right? So so you could say to someone, hey, it's not always about hate, about hate. The concern and the rejection of that preference can be because when it comes to babies, like that person can't really mate with them, right? Like maybe parents that don't like homosexuality or transsexuality and are rejecting of it isn't just about hate. Maybe it's because they want to have grandchildren and pass on that lineage. But I think people don't always necessarily think, uh, convey what is going on subconsciously. And that seems kind of like a dumb moment. But like I said, for me, coming from the left, if someone had ever explained that to me, I would have been like, oh, I get it now, as dumb as it sounds, you know, but no one ever phrased it that way. So I just assumed it was intolerance. So I think we're being pushed um, to a radicalization of sorts under the guise of being tolerant and under shaming and subversive war tactics to accept these, you know, things like, and, and again, like I said, um, the way I see it is- linear warfare. <laughs> yeah, the way I see it is where humanity's at, in my personal opinion, is we all have to get on, or it'd be nice to get on the same page of, don't hurt people, don't steal their stuff. And once we can get on that page, then we can talk about personal preferences. And the way I would phrase it is, I would say it like your life lawyer. I would say to you, hey, as your life lawyer, this may not be a good idea. I wouldn't call it immoral. I wouldn't call it like, you know, um, necessarily victimizing someone else to be trans or whatever, assuming you're not forcing that on other people or assuming you're not involving children or assuming you're not, you know, demanding someone else date you, I would say it's not inherently immoral to be trans. However, as your life lawyer, I would suggest this is probably some kind of larger issue. It's funny because, um, and by the way, that was so much more eloquently put than I could have ever put it. So I appreciate you following up with that. Instead of you coming out with that and me going, oh, you know, what if a lesbian fights a trans person? Okay. (laughs) So, but uh, it's funny because Alex Jones said he brought up a point that I'd never heard before. But I, I've never, I haven't fact checked it or anything either. But saying that you find a social norm of like sexual ambiguity always towards the end of like a civilization breaking down, and it's like become people become people explore their sexuality much more towards when they think when they think things are breaking down more. I just thought that, that was, I'm not sure what, what kind of like he, he refers to the Romans and Greeks and stuff, but I'm not really sure how much, but let me just, before we go, we continue this topic. I think we should still continue whatever, but the one thing I wanted to get back to the QAnon thing real quick, because yeah, go ahead. people keep saying, you know, Q's a LARP. And I keep asking people, what does that mean? And the, the response I, I get from that. I, the response that I get that I like are that, he is that like he's like a cia or fbi guy that's like maybe not the real thing but he kind of has some info that's like not really that's not that's like 
that's like not necessarily secret information, but he kind of just like he does his best job of faking it. But like it like let like for example, because because I think it's important to note that like I wouldn't have known about the Lee family research facility at Harvard. Uh uh, you know, like how they 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 bring in. I mean, first of all, they steal. Yes, yeah, some steal, some of the info um, is good. You can't deny that. You can't deny that things coming from Alex Jones or coming from QAnon, QAnon are le- legitimately <laughs> things we can investigate and use to prove to ourselves yeah. that these things exist. Even me, who is like so like anti disinfo and rants and raves about it, I have to admit I have learned things from Alex Jones. I would not have known about Bohemian Grove. 20 years ago and i would i would not have followed that rabbit trail and found out about the money and the symbolism and stuff like that and the the gay anal that happens that he that he, fucking alex jones rants and raves about on joe rogan and stuff like that um i, I agree with that i agree and i wish it wasn't true because you think we should be able to do this on our own and it makes us ask the question how big of sheep are we i mean if if i'm the guy that's like supposed to be super into this and i have to get my information from somebody like alex jones what the hell do i really know and it's a great point and it's also it makes it even harder to decipher what's good information and what's bad information so it's just i mean i've been on the internet for a long time i grew up in the age of internet you know, I'm 34. I've had a computer since I was eight. Um, but my generation even, and my, even my generation and a little bit older than me are still not like super com- uh, technologically inept. Now, when you talk in parents and you, people in their 50s and 60s, I'm not saying that there are not individuals that are perfectly capable of using technology. I'm saying the overwhelming majority of them this this is this whole internet thing is still kind of new, you know what I mean? And they're not like they don't really even politicians. Yeah, and shit, they haven't even they figured out how to use a computer. The, the true power of what it, and what we're, it happens. We're, we've already gone like past the computers. Now everybody's getting rid of their computers and shit, and it's all tablets and phones and crap like that. And uh, b- before some people could even learn to use the normal internet, we're already being like segued into something else. And like, I'm an old internet guy. Like, I, I like the internet of like making shitty websites on GeoCities and Angel Fire and stuff like that. This whole thing where apps and stuff like that, there's just no freedom. Like, I, I can't make a website or like a forum or something like I did years and years ago where people could just talk shit and talk about awful yeah. things. You, you can't really do that. Nobody's going to join because everybody's on Twitter and, cr- and crap like that. And, and to just circle back to that trend transgender things i did i did want to comment on that um i I think the the real thing i'm concerned about is is it going to get to the point where if you're transgender you're not even going to like tell anybody and you're just going to go and function like you're a male or a female and you're going to literally wait until you're about to sleep with somebody and just like let them see your hidden surprise before you tell them i I feel like that's where society is headed i think it's headed to a world where you're not even allowed to go there and if you're if you're like to suggest to somebody like hey hey if you say to a woman are you transgender or are you something like that that's going to be considered bigotry and I think we're almost there already. And it's it's a really slippery slope. I mean, uh, you know, God bless transgender people, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I just think we're entering into an age that I just don't understand. Like these kids nowadays, like so, so many of these boys I've seen, they're not even like 13. They haven't even gone through puberty. They're like, oh, I'm a girl. Like, how do you know you're a girl? I mean, maybe you aren't sure. Like, 
shouldn't you give it a little while? And then they come at you with this argument like, no, if you give it a while, they can't get on the hormones and they can't like stop their uh, secondary sex characteristics and all that. So there's like a whole thing there. If you're not allowed to say that's bad because they're supposed to get on the hormones early so that they could totally look like the opposite gender. It's, it's becoming really weird. And I mean, yeah, it's okay. Look at, you can, you can already, there's already the telltale signs. Just look at our two political parties. I'm not going to fucking talk about it. Ideals or whatever. Just look at the physical people who claim to be Democrat and who claim to be Republican. And you've seen over the last week that they're already starting to fight amongst each other because their money is running out or already has run out. And now they've got to position position themselves to get that next contract that they're looking for. Because you got to understand that like, you're not going to like, you got to understand how these bribes and, or like how the money works. Like if you want to be, you have to be actively campaigning, right. To get money. Then if you lose, that's it. No more money. But if you win, now you're going to keep getting money. However, it may be whether your vote, whether you're this, but now you got a jockey for position within the coalition of the Democrat. Yeah, it's, and the it's literally a reality and slowly show. over the course of another four years. They'll start to, they'll start to group up into coalitions and then we'll start to see, you know, the real, like, like we'll start to see a little more unity between both parties because um, it's like closer to an, an, a presidential election and you see it every single fucking time. And that, that brings me to the well, next. Let, the Democrats are going to start devouring themselves. Like it's already starting to happen. Nancy Pelosi is going to be out. Like, go ahead, Rachel. You had something to add. Yeah, to that. real fast on, on the trans subject too. Another thing is, so there are legitimate grievances on the left in terms of oppression for things outside of people's wheelhouse. Like I had mentioned earlier, I didn't understand those reasons for rejecting something, but there are legitimate grievances. And I'm kind of torn up in the sense of I believe in individual liberty. Like I said, I like the life lawyer thing of of kind of saying to people you know what, there's a cost to everything. And I think people are being lied to about what that cost is. So while I think it's good, in a sense, to at least have the uh, transsexual conversation out in the open, I think, I think the whole system, if you will, is not and it sounds like so obvious, but it's they're not being honest about the cost, like, for instance, with children with high suicide rates or regret later in life, they're not being honest about or saying, hey, yeah, if you want to have kids in the future, this is going to impact that. They're not being honest about the cost and the consequences of people's decisions. So like I said, I think instead of telling people what to do per se, I'm not endorsing anything here. It's more of, again, people are kind of given not enough information and then expected to just make these life decisions kind of under the assumption that they know and understand what the costs and consequences are of their actions. And the way that government works is it has to steal money from the people. And this is going to sound weird. I I kind of phrased it in a tweet that was easier to understand. Government, the global homostructure, you know, everything, like I said before, what they do purposely is they ins- they try to insulate people from those consequences until it's too late. So right now what they're doing to try to, try to create a new normal is they steal money and resources from the people, they consolidate all of that, and then they use that to subsidize their fictional reality that they push on everyone, if that makes any sense. So Paul on Netflix, <laughs> and right? And cuties, I mean- Cuties! I just, oh. Yeah, the way I describe it to people is 
not everything is a conspiracy and not everything is inorganic. However, it's kind of like the Truman Show or a dystopian Disney world where your entire environment is constructed for you, your culture, your music, everything you consume, your media is given to you. And there's a reason Mm -hmm. for that. Like even the whole sixties culture with the CIA. I mean, I feel like there's in each generation is identified you know, identifies themselves by a specific trauma that was passed on to them and pushed on them by the system unknowingly. So I think uh, there's these cycles in history that aren't cycles simply because it's just repetitive human nature, although that's part of it. I think we're literally put through, like I think of 9-11, I do a, a mental exercise where I think in terms of the future, I go, okay, instead of thinking of 2020, let's pretend it's back at 9-11 and it's during 9-11 period, was there anything around that period that would have um, shown that this was going to happen in 2020? Were there any clues? Was there anything leading up into that time frame? Because these these globalists think in like 10-year generational life lifetimes, you know what I mean? So I, maybe there's going to be a fake alien invasion next. I don't think we're done with 2020. There's mm. going to be something in another 10 years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, Patriot Act. Yeah, absolutely. They were saying it's going to be used for terrorists. All it was done was used for us. And what was it done to? It was done to spy on us and to sell our data, basically. And the color-coded coronavirus cases, the yellow, orange, red. I mean, that's exactly like 9-11. There like, you go. oh, we're going through this orange code or this kind I'm of thing. I'm in California. Yeah. We're purple. I think, not, you know, not much change is going to happen on a mass level until the lowest common denominator normie just kind of snaps out of it and at least questions something because again, and here's the thing too, here's the dangerous thing. We don't really know what the public's thinking. We don't because in terms of polls, in terms of what the media portrays, that's all manufactured. You don't really know what the average person is thinking unless you talk to them because with the whole mask situation, you don't necessarily know the reason that they're wearing a mask. Are they wearing a mask because they're hedging their bets because they think a virus is real or whatever? Are they wearing their mask because they're trying to blend in? Are they wearing a mask because they're trying to comply? We're kind of in this schizophrenic situation in 2020, you know, where it's like, listen, you really have to, I'm not saying bombard someone and be like, conspiracy, but you really don't know what someone else is thinking until you talk to them. And real fast, I don't think it's so much that the populace is stupid. Although I do think schools and media and things are contrived to dumb us down. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. I think people are scared you know, they're looking for hope. I think people might be blackpilled. I think people might be uh, compromised in the sense of they're like, oh, I know this is dystopian, but I want my kids to have a good future and I have to work this job to get this. I mean, again, there's so many things happening simultaneously. It's like, we need to keep those things in mind if we're going to try to make any real change for the future. Yeah, what it seems like to me, it seems like the they're doing something with the right, with the conservatives. Like somehow they want the conservatives to be associated with conspiracy theories and also religion too. So if they can get the entire, if they can push all this stuff onto the right and then make it, it wasn't like this 10, 15 years ago, people on the right were just conservative, right? They were considered kind of like, you know, kind of backwards and older people, but it's not like that anymore. The conservatives aren't just people that are conservative. It's people that are into QAnon. It's people that are anti-vaccine, people that are religious. It's almost like they just want to push everybody over there so that they can kind of make, make them look kind of like fools. And uh, at, at some point, 
it seems like everything they do to trigger the riot is so that they can respond with more censorship or more of this perception. Like these people are just freaking out of their mind. They're stupid. They're backwards, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I also have to mention that George... we got to go ahead. We... Go on. No, no I was, I was, I was waiting say, for you to talk. That's why we have to <laughs> unite under, uh, we have to unite under a, a movement that my friend Kelsey calls LGBT QAnon. LGBT anyway. But I wanted to bring up the yeah, Georgia LGBTQ Guidestones. Anon. Sorry. The the Georgia Guidestones that pretty much say exactly what mm-hmm. we've been talking about. These controllers, elite, cabal, Illuminati, whatever kind of weird nickname you want to give them. They they really do want to create a new world. They really do want to eliminate most of us, but uh I got to ask this before we run out of time. Of course, this vaccine, like a lot of people are freaking out about it. And I admittedly, I've been freaking people out and I apologize for that. I've been like, Oh my God, we're going to get thrown in camps. No. We're going to get forced vaccinated. But I want to ask you guys, is it okay to force people to take a vaccination? Is that okay? Is that ethically, morally okay? Um, let's start with Rachel this time because we've been going with da- Dave for us the past few times. Let's start with you, but I do want to hear both of your thoughts on this, and I'll go too. Yeah, it's not okay, right? I'm not necessarily anti-vaccine, but simultaneously, it is wrong to force someone to take a vaccine. It is wrong for the government to have mandates and be involved at all. It is wrong for the market to be so regulated, and for Dr. Fauci to get up on his high horse and say, you cannot be skeptical. And I agree with you, Daniel, that they're trying to lump everyone together. Again, I'm not anti-vaccine, but I certainly wouldn't take a coronavirus vaccine Are you out of your mind. Like, there's definitely a lot of issues. And I think a lot of conspiracy theorists are going to feel validated in talking about the chip and talking about this and that being called crazy. And then here we are with Bill Gates on CNN, just kind of putting it all out there. And a lot of times the Georgia Guidestones the Charles Schwab book, The Great Reset, they tell you what they want to do in their own words. They're just violent about it. And the vaccine situation, I don't think it's so much going to be a military coming to your door per se. I think it's going to be people excluded from things and people are going to be forced into their own little silos, like you mentioned on the right. Anyone who has these you know, dissenting opinions, whatever that happens to be, are going to be kind of forced into their little Waco-like communities, so to speak. I'm sorry to phrase it that way, but I feel like, you know, it is it is the system trying to depopulate and rearrange and socially engineer people and society and push their eugenics. And one more thing, if you notice, for all the Black Lives Matter people calling out racism, you've got Cuomo over here saying that we shouldn't trust a vaccine under Trump, but as soon as we get the vaccine, Black people, my other minorities, poor people are going to be the first to line up to go get it. I don't see anyone calling out these politicians and saying how racist that is to, you know, call them out for these things. That's not happening at all. I don't see Black Lives Matter talking about Bill Gates or the experiments that they do in India or like Africa or other countries. There's zero word about that. There's no consistency to those people's arguments. And so, yeah, I certainly think we're going to see, like I said, Trump winning Supreme Court um you know him another four years melt you know left downs on the melt uh, meltdowns on the left and then more riots and stuff so they could have more martial law and the surveillance grid the travel health cards and passports and things like that okay so this is for me this is like something that i've looked into and come to 
the conclusion that the vac the vaccine thing. First of all, man, I mean this this should happen back in the when I was born in the eighties, late eighties. They had a herpes vaccine that was seventy percent effective, and I mean people still got it, and like I never got it, but like you know they had it that they would give it to you with kids. Nowadays they give kids hepatitis vaccines. Like like there's no need for any. There's no need for that when you're with a newborn. Okay, so. The um, I think okay. Um, I think personally, I have. I'm not even going to talk about science or any of that bullshit. I'm going to talk about this. They're not going to make what you what you might see is businesses like Ticketmaster and shit say, and that's just uh, say that you need to be vaccinated in order to go, and that's just so they can cover their asses, you know, in case of lawsuits. That's the only reason they care. Okay. Number two is um, my point. Okay, hold on. Give me a second. Okay. Um, they're going to be the ones doing the vaccine. Okay. The uh, number two here is really, I think, a bigger importance, which is like um, that you kind of have. Okay. The, uh, the, okay. So right now we're talking about bailing out. You can do the, it, Dave. Spit uh, it out. Possibly, I know. I know. I'm so sorry. I've got so much going because the vaccine you got thing this, is brother. Really one of like those is really one of those globalist kind of topics. Okay, so if you want to have an argument for if the global, if any, any globalists out there want an argument, this is going to be your argument. Uncle Dave's going to give it to you right now. Okay, listen. Okay, so you got you got the vaccines. I'm going to give you an example. Right now, people are talking about um, paying off all the debt. For, for student loans. And then before that, we had Occupy Wall Street and the bailout the Wall Street and all that stuff. Okay, we've had that bailout the banks, bailout the thing. Next is what's going to happen is these fucking vaccines, nobody's going to buy them. They're going to lose millions of dollars. Then f- these companies like Pfizer, maybe billions of dollars. Pfizer's going to come and be like, dude, you fucking rushed us all this time to do put in all this research and then and then we lost all this money. So now they're gonna, you're going to end up bailing out the fucking the vaccine people. Or what you're going to do is you're going to start having these contracts like, all right, the, let the government administer. Well, the, the government will buy your vaccines and will administer them. And it'll just, it, you know, you, you might have some crazy people in some states and some counties that issue some, uh, try to issue some statewide vaccines. And eventually somebody will sue and the whole thing will just fall apart like it always does. And Pfizer will get rich and uh, Moderna will get rich again. They'll get bailed out. They'll make the money. They'll make the money that they made from rushing all the shit. And then on the back end, they'll be they'll make the money on the losses, like the projected losses. They'll be like, look, we were projected to make three billion dollars. So you owe us three billion and they'll settle on. 1.7 billion and say yeah because they got like deal, five deal. to seven different companies all doing this so uh somehow they they do need to be compensated for the billions or millions or however much it costs that they're putting into this stuff on yeah, government or, they'll, mandate. Or, or they'll take this fucking thing that's probably like a super generic like i don't want to say hydrochloroquine because who knows what the fuck's in it and, and, and like and people are saying it's like a whole new different type of vaccine and all that stuff i don't know i mean i don't i don't really know so i'm not gonna talk about the science behind it i'm just giving you like what i what i think is a possible outcome right on coronaviruses are gonna be like the designer bag for christmas and also vaccines are like the new corn syrup you know what i'm saying (laughs) i think that (laughs) i don't think 
Yeah. Okay, and Black Friday. Get ready for Black Friday. Get your more dinner half off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it kind of reminds me of the flu vaccine where they're going to keep designing, you know, designer viruses to have your designer vaccine with it. Um, yeah, so I think this is going to just isolate people even more and really push Here's them the thing. even harder. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's one here's one call signer one call sign that 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 where you should start being scared is like when they seriously start demanding it like like you know how they have an immunization card for school i mean if they start i don't think that that would be like you need i i feel like for the immunization cards they need to be like federally federally ran i mean like don't they i mean i don't know i don't i don't know how it works i feel like it's like like, does a school, like a public school, for example, a public school get, get to just decide w- what type of immunization card they accept or like which type of immunizations? I, I think that's I really why know. this is happening. I think that the reason for this is because so that they can have a control system in place because they got to get everybody kind of on the same page and not just in the schools and the vaccines, but the entire society. It's like this is the process of us getting on the same page. And um, in regards to my thoughts on the forced vaccine, I like to look at the abortion argument personally. It's my body. It's my choice. Nobody has a right to tell me what to do with my body. Nobody can force me to take a medicine. Nobody can stick a needle in my arm or anything like that. Um, I got to I gotta go back to, you remember years ago when you 2 put their album on everybody's phone? Like we, we woke up oh one day. Oh my God. Yeah. We've talked about this before too. Yeah. And then and it's so in the fucking, in the, the picture, it has to be so homoerotic too does it does it have to be <laughs> yeah and then and then what happens recently they put a, a covid tracking thing on our phones it's almost like the u2 thing was a test run because they got all these hollywood people and stuff like that involved and then they do the covid things on our phone like they they slowly kind of like alex jones says not to like you know go, go off of his shit but they're just kind of creeping into our personal space they want to take control of our our personal space but uh my next question for you guys and, and let's flip it this time we'll have you go first dave um like if they try to force us if they try to vaccinate us or they try to put us in camps if we don't take the vaccine and again if you guys don't want to answer this question perfectly fine i totally get it but should we fight back should we fight back against what's going on Look, man, my mother was born in Germany in 1950 inside of a Russian-ran camp after World War II. It was a Russian takeover. They took over the camp. It was a base or whatever, and they put a bunch of displaced people inside of that camp, and then eventually the Americans came and picked up. Like, my mom is very she, – she knows communism when she fucking sees it, dude. Okay? And so – and she says the same, like, she kind of, if you want to, like, she kind of even opened, opened my eyes up to a lot of this stuff, like, five, six years ago, and how, how things felt they're getting more and more socialized and socialistic. So anyway, the point is that, um, yes, I do think that they should fight back. And I actually think that um, we might, you know, we might actually see a little less we might see – I'm hopeful in California that we'll, we might see some some uh, Supreme Court cases possibly overturned in favor of uh, the Second Amendment slightly in some cases. But anyway, 
the my point is that um yeah i mean dude that that's a scary thought man the sca- i don't know what's scarier the thought of of citizens having to go to the streets with weapons or the government coming to your door saying come with us i don't know which one's scarier to be honest with you it's like Both? they're like you know i always make this analogy and it's from a television show called parks and rec and this character says like um he's asked a question and his answer is it depends on if your perception of time is linear or circular right okay now on the surface uh, you know think whatever you will but it's funny when you when you apply that to other things like sort of like now i'm gonna use i'm gonna use very like basic uh things for this because like like for example you, you have like democrats on one side and republicans on the other right and if you look at dictators maybe you have communists on one side and fascism on the other let's just say okay but if you turn that line into a circle they're actually much closer to what you think and the opposite of communism isn't all the way across the board. It's actually right in the middle. And the opposite of fascism isn't communism. It's fucking, it's right in the middle of the two of them. So when you look at it as a circle, so that's kind of how I think of it. It's like, um, that's my answer. Okay, awesome. Uh, what what do was you the th- question again? <laughs> Who was I talking about well, originally? The, the, just to reiterate that, the, and you answered fine. The question is, if they try to force vaccinates, if they try to put us into oh, camps, yeah, yeah, yeah. should so we fight that's, back? That, that, that's like, yeah, that's like that's like the extremes. The two extremes is what I'm talking about. It's like, if you have gulags, the opposite of that is fucking, you know, fighting in the middle of the street. And when you look at it, they're right. They're actually much closer to each other than you think. Like they le- one leads to the next. In some in some fashion, because, historically that is so, true. Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, Rachel, what do you think? Uh, if if STAF STHF, if shit hits the fan, are we gonna fight back? Should we? Should we just lay down arms? I mean, I don't know if we have such a chance. What do you think? I think we should absolutely fight back because I don't think there's a real alternative. I don't, especially if we want some kind of future. You know, um, I think that that question comes up a lot in terms of anarchist circles you know do you head for the hills in certain cases to avoid this kind of thing do you stand your ground i think it's going to come to the individual where their resources are and their family and their support system and network are i think we're really going to have to stand our ground ultimately because in the case you brought up you know california i don't know whether there's energy weapons going on i don't know i think there's a controlled demolition fires going on so i think it's going to get harder and harder to kind of find isolationist areas to be I mean, Aaron from Storm Clouds Gathering, you know, is creating an eco village, I think, in the Dominican Republic. I've got friends in Mexico. I'm happy that people are forming networks outside the U.S. or even within the U.S. But I think it's important to decentralize our resources and defend ourselves. I think people should, hypothetically speaking, this is all hypothetical speech, uh, should go get 3D printers and print their guns, hypothetically, as an art project, hypothetically, and also, you know, stock up and prep on food. I think it's cool to talk to people on Twitter, but it's also important to meet people in person, join a prepper group. You know, I'm cool with people if they have the value of don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. However, there are tangential groups like not everyone in prepper group is going to be an anarchist, but do they share some of the similar values? I think that, you know, 
martial arts places, jujitsu circles, you can kind of poach people, find people maybe outside your wheelhouse to connect with, because I do think shit is, has been hitting the fan, quite honestly. I do think we're headed towards this great reset, the fourth wave industrial revolution. And by the way, I think all this stuff, what, you know, it's, this is an acceleration period for sure. But I think like businesses going online into the digital space, overhead becoming expensive, I think that trajectory, I just assumed it was going to happen in like 10 more years. I didn't think it was going to happen like today. So this is accelerating things and trends and, you know, transhumanism or whatever. Project Warp Speed, huh? Yeah, absolutely. That's very odd to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I like (laughs) stuff like that, dude. Yeah, this reminds me of a Philip K. Dick novel for sure. This is definitely the surveillance state. And I'm not anti-technology, but good luck divorcing the, the police state from like, all of the yes. social media that they give us. That's the thing. Like, if you're familiar with Ted Kaczynski, he was the Unabomber. Of course. Which, which I'm totally against violence. I don't agree yes. with his response to things. However, if you want to go get, as Ryan puts it, I can't take credit, Ryan Dawson. You want to go get Ted pilled after you're done being red pilled. Ted Kaczynski, whether he was a glow-in-the-dark CIA agent or not, I don't know. He did predict pretty much everything that's happening today where these movements, the Black Lives Matter, all the social justice stuff, all the transhumanist stuff, all this technology and AI stuff, again, not anti-tech, or at least I'm not, but there's this inevitable push in the social engineering towards the type of world that the elite want to see, and people are so mad about the election, it's like, buddy, your vote doesn't count, but even less than that, the elite are literally reshaping the future and the way that we are human before your eyes and you get no say there's no vote on that there's no say in that and i feel so bad for children how do you explain to them that adults are out of their fucking minds you know part of me for swearing but how do you explain to them the nuances of the brainwashing and the years and years of indoctrination and i think it was yuri bresnikov i might have said said his name his last name wrong uh who is that soviet you know defector whatever talked about the demoralization of society going back to this trans agenda again I've stated my position. There's a difference between individuals. I don't think it's inherently immoral if an adult, but there is this demoralization of a population and trying to cause all this division and a hijacking of movements. I'm sure there were people in Black Lives Matter that had good intentions, but all this hijacking of the momentum. And if you notice, think about the coordinated lockdowns, the sports are over all of people's outlets you know, church, all their spiritual, this is definitely, I'm, I'm agnostic, but this is the best way to phrase this. It is a spiritual battle. All of people's healthy stressed valves and outlets are cut off. People are being pushed towards that civil war. Like I said, I don't think people organically want to go to war. I really don't, but I can definitely see the media and everything trying to close in the walls on people and force them to fight against each other, especially when you and I, or maybe most people can look at the media and obviously say that hey these people are clearly lying they'll just repeat the lie over and over and over and just kind of ram it through like for instance there's no such thing as the office of the president-elect it doesn't make any sense like biden clearly lost but they're just trying to like and i do think like i had mentioned trump will ultimately win to cause that schism and that meltdown but for now they're just jamming things down jamming biden you know into the public eye and stuff like this they, they they force this trauma onto the populace. So print your guns, get Bitcoin, decentralized currency, um, hedge your bets. Like I said, uh, talk to people, you know, try to network, find out who you want on your team when shit hits the fan. 
get food, get toilet paper, I guess, stuff like that. You know, it's not paranoid to do so. It's just being smart in terms of the future. If you can break away from the system, and we don't always have to fight the system directly in terms of going to the streets with guns, although you should be able to protect yourself. The best way is to drain the base. Like I said, Bitcoin, alternative currencies, alternative ways around the system is one method, agorism, which is basically you know, facilitating independent markets outside of the beast system so that you can just starve it. Yeah. I mean, even with the Bitcoin too, and I don't really know a whole lot about it. I'm not, but like, I just feel like even that they can just fucking shut off if they really wanted to. I mean, they, you lose access. I mean, I don't know, but what I, what I really do agree with you on is Rachel, is that we are converging with these two points of where government and technology have already intersected. We're seeing the intersection now, and it's going in a direction where what do we have to do? I mean, uh, are we going to start? Are we going to see truck drivers protesting by clogging up the lanes because they're sick of the fucking Amazon automatic autonomous trucks that are taking their jobs away? What about the fucking the restaurant people? What if people stop going to uh, Wendy's or whatever because everything is made by? Uh, a robot and you just go and it's just one person that just re- sits there and refills the uh, i'm fucking, cool with that i don't want to be spitting in my shit or putting poop in my yeah milkshake. And, and so and so what do you do like how do you this is what crony this is what crony capitalism leads to you know i'm not i'm all for capitalism i'm all for i like the i i even appreciate the 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 uh the constitution and like the I appreciate the the idea of a representative republic or constitutional republic because like, you know, it's, it's trying to, I don't know, think outside the, I don't even know how to explain why I like these things, but the, the, um, but this is what, this is what it leads to. It leads to um, companies running amok. You have no oversight. You've got, you have, you, you lower your tariffs so low and raise your taxes so high so that nobody wants to keep their business in, and then you wonder why they go overseas. And then, so, so yeah, I mean, you le- you basically have companies that you only care about American consumership. They don't care about, they don't have any interests of the American people. They don't have interests in people in general for a lot of reasons because they're, they allow slave <laughs> They allow people, slaves, to make their phones and make their shoes. So, yeah, I mean, what do you do? There, I don't have, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, do you stop buying the products? Yeah, the the way I felt about it is, you know, I it's really first what of all, a lot of it is. I stop agree with buying you guys. Stuff. I agree with you guys that we should fight back. And I was having an issue with this because I guess I was giving up a little bit. You know, just to be totally honest, knowing what's going on. And knowing how bad it is, it was really fucking getting to me. Especially when COVID started, like I was going through a little de- literal depression, and I was just—I guess I was kind of taking it out on on the world, and I was being very negative. And I actually had to look myself in the mirror, and I had to say, you know, Daniel, you're not fucking helping, dude. You're making people want to kill themselves, like here on the spot. And I had to really reevaluate, and I had to—I had to have a talk with myself and say you know you know what's going on you have to be a little bit more of a leader you should be trying to give people hope you should be trying to bring people together you should be telling people to fight back i wasn't doing that at first and i i I, you know i'll be honest it was fear it's because i've been threatened it's because i know that there's a system in place that will fuck with you 
if you go against the grain and it gets worse and worse every day. And I, I was letting it get to me. And I had to literally like David Icke's book. I had to remember who I am. I had to remember who I was. I'm supposed to be the guy that's the rebel. I'm supposed to be fighting back. I can't just give in and lay down and let myself go to some fucking camp to get vaccinated. Bend the knee. Yeah, I do not want to bend the knee. And I don't think anybody else should either. You know, that that's why this program exists. It's because we need to rebel. We need to fight back. It, so what? We don't have a chance. Maybe we do. How do we know if we have a chance or not? Look what the Viet Cong did. They accomplished quite a bit. They were going against us. They didn't win, but they didn't lose either. Maybe we can't win, but can we not lose maybe? Maybe that's the least we can do. But I, I did want to touch on another topic. I know we're kind of running out of time, but I wanted to ask you guys about this whole Epstein Island, pedophilia, Nixon, Jimmy Seville, uh, yeah. Pizzagate... Uh, let, let's flip and uh, do Rachel first this time. What are your thoughts on Epstein Island and this pedophile, behind-the-scenes pedophile network, human trafficking, and where things are headed? You brought up cuties. One of you brought up cuties earlier. It does seem like there's some sort of coercion, like maybe they're get, trying to get us to accept this. Are we headed towards legal pedophilia? And what do you think about the whole concept in general? Oh. So I think that the Jeffrey Epstein thing is absolute crazy and insane. I know Ryan Dawson was reporting on it since I guess like the early 2000s. I know Derek Rose was reporting on it early as well. Um, If people aren't burning things down because of that, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like the fact that we have all these riots over George Floyd, some dude no one ever heard of, but like I say to people, look, you have a government Mossad, Israel, you know, I Leslie Wexner, private individuals from America sponsoring a pedophile blackmail ring that's irrefutable, that has been proven true in connections with all these other agencies, you know, like the Clinton Foundation or whatever. You have such a pervasive, crazy, systemic trafficking ring that's irrefutable. People should be burning government down just for that sake. And I think the whole point of the QAnon thing is to kind of while it may be useful in informing people, and I'm not denying any good it's done in that, it's just redirected them into thinking that Trump is their savior and that Trump is going to indict all these people when he literally said, oh, I wish Ghislaine Maxwell well. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he was just kind of dismissive. Why isn't Hillary in jail? Why isn't Comey in jail? Why isn't Obama in jail? I feel like he'll say all these things and make all these promises. And then why aren't his supporters holding him accountable to those promises? They're saying, save the children. Why do we need government? I mean, literally government has just been, I understand, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but the government wants to traffic that baby. I mean, it's kind of like, what services is government providing? If you say that, oh, it's here to protect us. Well, you had the FBI stand up and say, oh, Antifa, it's not an organization. It's just an idea. You've had police during riots say to people and businesses, you're on your own. You've had the Supreme Court say, oh, police are not obligated to protect and serve the public. What good is it? Why do we need it? It just traffics kids, mostly. I mean, like, people need to really realize, like, it's so much worse than just money laundering and fraud. It's like a pervasive satanic thing to where it does make me question. I'm not saying definitively that there are aliens, but it literally, like, I give the people who say these politicians are little demons credit because at least it's not human beings. You know what I'm saying? It's so bad. It's so evil that literally I, I kind of joke in, in a dark way, but I'm like, I think earth has been turned into this like 
soul recycling pedophilia farm timeshare. It's not inherently that way. It doesn't have to be that way, but it's been made into that way. And I think we should absolutely fight back because you're like, well, they're the ones that suck. Why should I leave? You know what I mean? Like, why should I give up? They should, they, this satanic pedophile ring has got to go. And yes, I do believe that there's a normalization of pedophilia and that they are trying to legalize it and that they are trying to push for it. A hundred percent. Like you even had the politician in California, I forgot his name, who was trying to talk about acceptance of like, you know, we should, we should change the age limit. Even Dershowitz was like, we should mm-hmm. lower the, the age limit. Oh, oh, absolutely. And I think that's where even people like, you know, I, I like Burning Man. I like crazy shit, but there's a line in the sand. There's that moral line in the sand. And I hope a lot of people are like, just no. Hmm. Um, I want to hear your commentary first, Daniel, before I say what I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Rachel uh, pretty much on a lot of what she said, especially the part about there's like a, a literal network in place. And I, I swear, like 15, 20 years ago, I would never think it's possible. There's always that question like, okay, if 9-11 was an inside job, why doesn't somebody talk? And you hear, you hear people use that sort of logic to refute a lot of conspiracies and things like that. Um, but, but the thing is, just because that's not happening, we don't really know. We don't really know what that system of control actually looks like or how it works. And I think that we are starting to learn because the veil is being lifted. And when we see things like Pizzagate or, or Ghislaine, or Ghislaine, however the hell you say that perverted pedophile bitch's name, but uh, when you see stuff like that, it's sort of a clue. Because if you dig into her, she's actually connected to Israeli Mossad and her dad, Robert Maxwell, and uh, the Promise software and how they were trying to like sell this hack software to other countries so they could spy on them and stuff like that. She's all mixed up in that. And then you can look at Nixon with Allison Mack and you can look at Jimmy Seville and um, people like Charlie Sheen and the, the whole Hollywood thing. And you can you can look at all of it. And if you look at the whole picture and luckily society in general is starting to kind of get that picture but sadly they still can't see it but if you look at it all you literally can see how it would work it works the same way that the catholic church did when they were molesting kids and getting away with it um it, it's it's a plausible deniability and it's people turning the other way and her so maybe the fbi are pedophiles maybe the cia are pedophiles i mean i don't want them to knock on my door that's not what i'm looking for but it's pretty obvious at this point for anybody in the know. And it, it, when you take that into consideration, what does that make our society? What does that make us? It means we're like in hell. That's something that would go on in hell. Like little kids getting tortured and molested in traffic. It's, it's literally like we're in hell. And then I think about, you know, what we were talking about with the corporations. We don't have any freedom. Like they tell you, you have freedom and stuff. Then you have to go work at a corporation. And suddenly you have a boss. And you have somebody that's getting up in your personal life and telling you what to do, uh, when to do this, when to do that. And you've lost a lot of your rights that you supposedly had. Like you're, you're told, oh, you have all these rights and stuff. But not really because you got to go work for a corporation. You have to follow their rules. And you have to do what they say. So not only are we slaves, but we're slaves that are part of a freaking pe- pedophile hellish world. And it's, 
it's it's shocking. It is enough to put somebody into a depression. It is enough to give somebody thoughts of suicide and things like that. And I'm not trying to cause anybody to have those feelings. You know, I'd like to do the opposite, but that's kind of why, why I wanted to do this show. I just wanted to talk about like what has happened to this world and what has happened to society and how it's changed us. And I could say it's done a number on me. I just haven't been the same guy since this whole COVID thing started. That's it. But I, I think it's, Right. I just wanted to say one thing that like I just you gotta for me to think responsibly I just always caution um, I'm I'm always I'm always reluctant to like just straight up call people pedophiles because just because they come up on a list or they said some shit about pizza or something like that so like please I would say use some restraint when just trying to blatantly call because I can't get mad at these Me Too people that just come out and blatantly say shit without any proof or any evidence. And I can't be a hypocrite by, by just because QAnon posted some list and Tom Hanks is now some kind of pedophile. I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm just saying, you know, I, you just, you know, so just for people listening. Just well, I, I do agree with restraint. you. I'm not trying to cut you off, but yeah. I do agree with you in the sense like, okay, Eminem's <laughs> name is on there. Now, is Eminem really one of them or some of the other names on there? Like some of them I see and it's like, yeah, that person's a pedo. There's no doubt about it. Like look how they act and, and the way that or maybe they... enabled in some way. But then what if he isn't, but his clone is, you don't know that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got to do a whole show on that, on the Eminem Bible. <laughs> maybe I'll write a book on it. I'm sure there's publicists involved in, in some form, managers involved. Like think of the idea of having an agent and a manager like they just tell you what what's good for you. Yeah, look what happens to Britney Spears. And there's just so much manipulation. And hold on, one thing I wanted to point out is like a lot of the times too, these managers inflict a symbol onto a person, independent of the person knowing that. And what that does is signal to the others to say this guy's a fucking idiot. He'll listen to what I'll say or do, and he will go along with your narrative. You know, you put a, you, you know, you, 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 you gaslight by putting the fucking circle somewhere, you know, with the, and just whatever, pedophile. Like, you know, I'm just giving an example. Like, they, they, they'll, they'll, they'll use these as like a light tower to say, here I am, or, or their manager will even manipulate them in a way that says it. But, the, but it's important that, like, there's so many moving parts to this. Doesn't it seem like that? Like, I have no doubt in my mind that, like, Israeli Mossad or Saudi Arabia or or using uh, all these different avenues or countries, uh, there's something involved. Sure, might even might even have to do with election fraud. Who knows? I mean, think of the amount of money and power that that being able to control the outcome of an election would give you. Like, think of the monetary value. I mean, it's got to be staggering. So I, as far as Epstein Island Pizzagate, I'm sure it exists. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure more so that it exists, that there has also been a litany of misinformation that is spouted out along with the true information. Purposefully, obviously, by who, who knows. Do I think, for, for the longest time, I thought the CIA and the FBI were against each other. But maybe now it's this FBI is against itself. And the NSA is sitting back, like saying, "All right, 
don't worry, we're watching all you guys. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I think they CIA have their kind of so yeah. I think they have their little rivalries and conflicts and uh, little feuds and stuff like that. It's kind of like um, people. They say the Illuminati last like, year. Sorry, go on. The, well, the you know they say the Illuminati is the Zionists or it's the Catholics or it's the, or it's the Freemasons, but it's it's not. It's really all of them, and they only fight with each other because they're fighting for supremacy. They want to be the top of the pyramid. Hmm. This is like what exactly like what I learned once some something that I learned from Q, which is that like that like the the China even China is fucking split amongst two leaders basically. You basically have like someone from the old family, like the Li family that runs like Shanghai and Wuhan area and the port at Shanghai and stuff like that. And then you have like another faction that like does something else. And and uh, and even for like a year or two, people have been talking about. Well, maybe the Marine and Navy. There, there looks like looks like top Pentagon officials in the military and the DoD. Like, you know, it's kind of Navy Navy Marines versus Air Force Army, and and this also goes right into the Trump advisors that were lying to to the President of the United States about how many troops were actually in Syria. And he fucking called him out the day he found out. And that's because he had to fire the head of the DOD, or the, I think, and and then input his own person. And that was one of the, that was the first thing he uncovered. Look how many people we actually, they were lying to us about troops in Syria. That's, that's the military running independently of the commander in chief, which is a very dangerous proposition. Yeah, I didn't even know about that. That really raises a lot of questions about how all that stuff works and how big of a mess it actually is. But hey, I want to I want to get back to the comedy a little bit. And this question is kind of weird, and I picked these two because I try to ask myself this question and I was having a really hard time because I just really couldn't I couldn't figure out which one's better. They just seemed about even. And that's why I chose these two. But my question is, who is more talented? Who is a bigger legend? Who in general is funnier, I guess? And um, I guess let's go with Rachel first this time. Jerry Seinfeld or Jim Carrey? Um, I would say Jim Carrey just because I think he's more influential in terms of reaching a wider audience. Um, I love Seinfeld, but I, you know, Ace Ventura, Truman Show, I think Jim Carrey just has a wider range. And I also believe that Jim Carrey was much more political, unfortunately. I mean, he was aligned with like Jenny McCarthy. He's gone, he's gone off the rails in terms of painting pictures about Trump or something. Like, I really don't like the politics of, of most, uh, you know, not so much comedians, but actors in Hollywood in general, like Edward Norton just opened his mouth today. He's like, I'm not a politician. I'm like, good, shut up. Um, <laughs> but I would say Jim, Jim Carrey for sure. And in terms of um, go fast back to the Pizzagate stuff, I think it's, yeah. you know, it's so progressive that the U.S. Uh, just finally has an openly pedophile president office or office of the president elect. You know, that's definitely... Um, a first on many levels because there's just video after video of Biden touching I little know. kids inappropriately where I've shown this to people and I feel bad doing so. And by the way, the only time I ever got in trouble with, on Twitter is when I posted the C-SPAN video. It's like telling YouTube. kids there's no and Santa Claus. Instead, got, it's Biden's a pedophile. 
I took a screenshot of this. Twitter locked me out of my account and said that the post was inappropriate and that if I didn't delete it, then I'd never get access to my Twitter oh, account. Oh, crap. I didn't even know that happened to I you. I was like, that's insane. I didn't know you got shadow banned oh, yeah, or banned like that. Bad. Oh, damn. That sucks. It wasn't shadow banned. It was literally like they messaged me and said, you're locked out of your account because you posted this inappropriate video and it, you need to delete it in order to get back into your account. So yeah. just because post you posted screenshot. the thing with Biden, like sniffing a girl's hair or something like that, that that's the only reason. So it's just total like political manipulation. There's no yeah. like just, yeah, that's bullshit. And where's, where's the me too people, right? Cause it's like, they got a cop, which is Kamala, who's just terrible for locking people up. And they have an old white man, which they said that they hate, who is a pedophile, like, these are the heroes of the so-called left and these people are dancing the streets. So like that is definitely the most surreal thing to me about this is watching people. But to be honest, most of the people don't know he's a pedophile. Even if you show them the video, like most of the people don't, I have yet to hear someone say, well, I know Joe's a pedophile, but he's like the best we have for America. (laughs) And that's the hill I choose to die on. Like I've heard zero people make that argument. Like, I've, he's a pedophile but he'd still be better than trump are we, are we <laughs> to believe that this man got ten thousand million or 10 million more votes than barack obama no Go fuck yourself he hardly campaigned what did he fucking do oh, fuck yourself he hardly did anything am i right like where was the campaigning because yeah. he knew and, and uh, i mean there's so much like See, when I talk about the, a lot of this misinformation, too, it's like, do you really think that there's radioactive isotopes on the ballots, on, on real ballots? Or do you think that's no. bullshit? I mean, everything is just to get you to question your sanity. And Daniel, don't feel bad about oh, being true. depressed. Like, I've been totally depressed. Like, even if you have an understanding of what's going on, and I don't claim to know everything, even if you have an semblance of, like, everything falls in line with that UN agenda 2030 un agenda 21 and the un wants to have their own military and so forth and consolidate all resources where it is in the future you will own nothing and you will be happy like even if you understand the trajectory of things it doesn't make it less depressing even if i'm not necessarily scared of coronavirus just going outside and seeing everyone wear a mask is like that definitely weighs on you but i think it's just important to build that fortitude and that strength and to be strong and if not for yourself then at least other people like and i and don't feel guilty for that like you are still human after all like these things are designed to get to us it's designed to push your buttons and and i think like the highest form of black magic is addiction and i'm just saying like everything is driving people towards addiction and like i'd mentioned before you know with with um this is a spiritual battle with churches closed down synagogues whatever with people's healthy outlets shut down, it is trying to get them to destroy themselves. So not only the vaccine, it's really also the depopulation agenda is to get people to commit suicide, to get them to, you know, kill each other on the streets, to get them to have another opioid crisis. Dave, I know that wasn't funny at all. I'm sorry. I can be funny. I agree. So weighing on my mind. It's okay. Well, my answer answer to jim carrey versus seinfeld is uh before 20 years old i'd say jim carrey and then after 20 20 years old seinfeld me personally i mean to try and actually debate either one is ridiculous because it's all subjective so 
but that's those that's my personal opinion i loved i love jim carrey i love seinfeld i i don't listen or watch much of jim carrey anymore i don't think he really does too much stand-up anymore if any um and i'm not don't really watch his movies but i didn't watch seinfeld when i was a kid but i watch a lot of like seinfeld and larry david and stuff like that now it's all very similar so there's my answer yeah i i think they're both geniuses in their own way I'd probably lean towards Jim Carrey because I'm a huge fan of his performance as the Riddler in Batman Forever, even though no one gives a fuck about that oh, movie boy. or his performance in that movie. Like, to me, his performance is, like, right there with Heath, Heath Ledger's Joker, but no one's going to agree with that. Um, I really think the Seinfeld show is amazing. No, I think it was great. Yeah, I could go back and watch old episodes of that, and I still laugh my ass off because it's just really that well done. It's that feature-proof, and the plots are so complex and humorous on multiple levels that it, it still wows me to this day like that's i i watch that show i'm like that's genius when i'm watching that's fucking genius but i did have Larry another for you. yeah absolutely i did have another comedy related question um you know, i i ask this question a lot because it's just like you know a given but i want to talk about who's the, who's the best female comedian of all time is it sarah silverman for example, just throwing a name out there. Dave, you could go first um, this time. You want to go first, Rachel? <laughs> I would say, uh, I mean, it's always to say the best of all time. Who do you say? You got to put Sarah up in there. But I think even like Janine Garofalo, should go, somebody should be up there. Um, fucking Rosie O'Donnell, dude. Fucking Roseanne Barr. A bunch of really good stand-ups. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. Those I'd say those are to- my top four. Whitney Cummings oh. can go up there, but I have a, I have a feeling Whitney Cummings is CIA or FBI or something like that. I just have this weird fucking <laughs> like she's Air Force or something. Weird <laughs> she's, Air, she's in the Air Force <laughs> secretly. So I, I guess to divide this because it's like there's the comedians that i like personally i like rachel feinstein and i really like ellie wong but i can see you know other people being kind of like oh not not too crazy about it it's just those things like i personally find relatable um i like katie herzog she's someone that tim Dillon kind of promoted that that i like uh janine garofalo is great i like a lot of janine's like old political stuff um she did like a stand-up um Bit. I forgot that I think it's called If You Will or something like that in Seattle, which is really wonderful. And yeah, unfortunately, I mean, just in general, there's a lot more male comedians that I tend to like than. Well, see, so yeah, that's the thing about Janine Garofalo and especially Roseanne too is like they 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 their humor wasn't predicated on sex jokes and like you know, mm-hmm. which is what what a lot of women get knocked on for. For having, like just being all about being vulgar about their pussy or their tits or whatever, <laughs> and to an extent, men do that too with fart jokes and dick jokes yeah. and all that stuff. But like, I think, yeah, I think like Janine was like one of those comics that people respected her political commentary on. But like, she really got kind of passed over by a lot of the men who I think she could have like really held her own with her like with like some kind of like um, satirical satirical talk show. I think she would have done really well, and I think I, I think they they kind of glazed over. Her. Yeah, I wrote um, when I was doing open mics and stuff. I mean, I did write a lot of sex jokes and stuff like that, but I wrote 
I've posted on Twitter a lot of dark humor jokes, a lot of liberty jokes, some political jokes. I try to include like a variety and a range. And yeah, your humor's been getting forward. darker. I noticed it's it's been like getting edging darker, like by the day. And and I'm not I'm not trying to be like negative. It's just I kind of just say whatever I want, and I kind of triangulate between like writing jokes that are more universal and have more dad joke appeal and then just kind of writing jokes that I particularly find funny, but I know like they're going to resonate with people that share a similar sense of humor. You know, they're not designed to be haha for everyone. And that's not a code designed like, for oh. the bottom. They're designed for the bottom <laughs> to fall out of the room. The bottom so, to drop. Oh, oh, you're designed to get one of those. But <laughs> Like, I, I don't really employ sarcasm so much, but I really enjoy um, just some fine cynicism, <laughs> which I tend to deploy that quite a bit. I'm like, how deep can we go? How cynical can we get? And then I just kind of go for it. So my Twitter feed is just kind of this barrage <laughs> of cynicism. But it's not because I'm trying to be, um, like, you know, Like baby caskets are kind of cute. Is that something that you would say? I? I say something like nobody ever accused a, a cynic of being dishonest or something like that um but i just and, and i do try to be edgy sometimes but i just say what i want to say because the way i see it is like not everyone gets it but the people that do get it will really appreciate it i guess i have to go with and i say this because i was just watching old episodes i gotta go with roseanne roseanne Barr, uh, because. She was kind of uh, the first female comedian to have her own show. I mean, I guess you could look at like I Love Lucy, something like that. But if you look at Lucy's role in that show versus like Roseanne, I think that it's really the first example of a female comic who's, you know, she's not like, she's not up there for her looks or anything like that. She's up there purely because she's fucking hilarious. And the in the way that she was taking things to an extreme back when you know back in the nineties, I think that's really impressive. I mean, you could say that it was possible to be a little bit more edgy back then; you could get away with more. But you know, there's certain types of other pressures too. And the way she was able to do that show and uh, you know make it so funny and have like twenty, fifty million viewers watching at a time, I think we gotta give credit to her for that. The fact that she went from being a stand-up comic to being a uh, you know the head head character on probably top five maybe top three maybe even the best sitcom of all time so uh you know a terrible thing that happened to her i'm still mad about it you know with the connors and all that um bring back roseanne fucking let her back on her yeah, own oh show. god and now the connors they have a fucking billboard in los angeles where they're all wearing their masks yeah they're using so that i show. forgot go ahead yeah I forgot sorry i forgot joan rivers Oh. And I, oh, yeah. she, you know, she said she'd rather Jeez. die than apologize. Joan Rivers is the one I forgot. That's the you're one. right. I changed mine too. Called out Michael <laughs> Obama, <laughs> and then yeah, so, and then real fast, like what we need to understand again, not to be negative, is like you're not going to get what you want from the system. You're just going to get a weird, perverted, inverted version of it. Like people aren't going to get the popular show that they love. You're going to get like a weird, twisted. Like, ugh, like just a manufactured draw shoved down your throat. And my next yeah, question, uh, my next question, this is getting back to the world scene. Um, obviously we're kind of wrapping up here, but I want to ask you both because 
the world is changing and it, it does seem like there's a war on religion. Would we be better off without religion? Would it be better if we were all just kind of atheists or perhaps if we all kind of had the same beliefs in terms of where things are headed, would it be a good idea if society and the world in general completely dumped any sort of religion? And uh, I, I guess we go with Dave first. Okay. Um, oh, hold on one second here. Let me go my video. Okay. So what are we seeing now? We're seeing going to church is a hate crime. I've even heard. Um, look, man, there's nothing wrong with having a religion or a spirituality, whatever you want, a controlled religion, even like there's nothing wrong with that. And, and if we go off of what Raven, Rachel was saying, it was, which is like the idea of don't, don't fuck with anybody and don't steal their shit, which is what war basically. I mean, it's just a, eventually however technologically advanced or simplistic it is, it leads to war. And isn't it weird though, that like, this is this this is not going to seem like it's on a, a commentary on religion but it really kind of is because it follows the same narrative of like saying like should we all get rid of religion or should we get rid of all like should we we shouldn't do we shouldn't all of us shouldn't be doing one thing anyway like we should all there should not be like a, a point where we all every single one of us agrees on something unless it's you know i don't know probably just living or something like that just basic rights i guess but the point that i'm trying to make is like isn't it kind of weird though that like let's just say there really are aliens and let's just say that there really is like a galactic thing out there right and like let's just say that they won't allow earth into the galactic senate unless we have our own one world government which Sounds crazy in in one regard, and another regard sounds like I mean I think I think for the most part if if really your only qualification is no more like you can't have any wars on your planet I think the plan if we had no more war on the planet and we just operated in the same fashion I think I think the fucking aliens would let us into the galactic senate but like isn't it weird like how like it sort of feels like the whole planet kind of should be working together and we just kind of when we don't we just have pockets it's like it, yeah it just it, it, the whole system breeds separation it, it's a uh, yeah you would think common sense would reign supreme at some point yeah like uh what do they call it? bi you know bifactorial or whatever whatever anyway it's like a it's like the separating but anyway but i don't know so but yeah i mean religion fucking i don't i don't think I don't think a religion is innately wrong or I think that everything, whether you're a Jew or a Catholic that like at the highest, anytime there's money involved and power involved, the, the, the people at the top always get perverted. And I mean that in literal and the definitional definitions and like the sense of the definition, like perverted meaning literally perverted with children and, or, perverted meaning like they they skew off of the ethics and the morals of what they preach goes along with the zionist or the fucking whatever all that shit too are you smoking indoors yeah i'm in the i'm in my garage i can smoke in my garage oh, okay <laughs> 
Yeah, he's in front of the planet Earth and he lights up his cigarette. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Earth will be fine, dude. Regenerative. <laughs> dude, I don't believe in fucking fossil. I believe that the Earth has re- rejuvenates its fucking oil, dude. It'll be fine. Yeah, someone in the we're, chat we're was fine. complaining that you have a round Earth. They're saying it should be flat. <laughs> yeah, dude, it is flat. Look, yeah, it's flat. It's, it's a flat now. disc. Look at it. It's Isn't a, it flat? It's a completely flat disc. You know how they say that? It's like the Earth is a flat disc, just kind of floating there. And you don't go on it, you go inside of it like a portal. The firmament. Okay, okay, Rachel. What's complaining? No, but I I say this on every single fucking podcast that I'm blessed to be invited onto, usually once and then never again. But, but, but But I always say this I fucking hope it's a sphere. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope it's a fucking sphere that we live on and we live in a universe. Because if not, somebody's got a lot of explaining to do, right? Yeah, very well. I think it's a dreidel. Ooh. (laughs) That's why you come here for the real, for the real, ooh. For the real, the deep shit. What about like, what about we're not really on a planet, but we're on a plane T. (laughs) Plane (laughs) number T. Letter yeah, T, hey, plain letter T. There's things that make sense. By the way, I messed with people. I said if you take the Libertarian Party logo, which is like that yellow fire thing with like a, a D, I'm like, that's Donald Trump's hair on a golf tee. <laughs> Symbolism now. will be their downfall. <laughs> yeah. I had uh, a great time. <laughs> Thank you very much for inviting me. Rachel, you are extremely Nobody insightful. Asked, um, and a very eloquent speaker. I really appreciate your your uh, views viewpoints, honestly. Thanks, man. I just want to answer the question on religion. Sure. If that's cool. Go for it. Answer. My bad. Sorry about that. Real fast. So, Daniel, so if your definition of religion is believing in something with, like, no evidence, just complete conviction and faith with, you know, no rationality whatsoever, and I'm not talking about um, necessarily the cultural religions, but, like, for instance the worship of money's religion, this scientism, this listen to all scientists who are the now the new priest class with no skepticism religion, you know, the belief in governments, a religion. So yes, I do think the world would be better off without religion. I don't think I do have an issue with cultural religions in different respects with each of them in a sense, especially when they declare even Judaism or Christianity, when they declare to have their own version as the supremacy and that everyone else's interpretations are wrong. I have issues with the philosophical inconsistency there. I have issues with people who use religious titles to kind of virtue signal values and pretend that they have an ego check to, you know, and that's what they get from believing in God while simultaneously projecting their own ideas into the world and saying, yeah, that's what God wants. I have a general frustration with the solipsism of the human species in the sense of we tend to believe that if something is good for us, it must be good objectively in general and moral. And if something is bad for us, it must be objectively bad and immoral. And that's not necessarily true. So this ties back into your love of Seinfeld and everything. We love Seinfeld because we can relate to it because even if you stripped away government, even if you stripped away, you know, religion in of itself is there is a inevitable inherent you know because the logical fallacies and our makeup there's just a drama there's a condition to the human species like things can certainly be better than they are now but i think we have to go through this process of understanding and remembering like who we are and what we are in order to facilitate any real further future changes so i think that um 
if we're going to resolve anything, we have to get to the root of, you know, what is going on, how we're being manipulated, why we're being manipulated, and what exactly we can do about that. Because if we don't answer those particular questions, like, there's not going to be any authentic, genuine change. And kind of accepting, like, I like to call it, I mean, this is a bit um, immature, but there's a level, I think, of entrapment because there's so many logical fallacies embedded into the human psyche as we speak. Like, we're these fallen creatures, right? But, like, we strive to do the best we can, which is why I tend to say that there's there's only uh, sinners and hypocrites <laughs> when it comes to, like, politicians or government or whatever. And I see myself as, like, a sinner is someone who's working on it, right? Not necessarily in, like, you know, the Old Testament sense or the New Testament sense, but it's like, I'm doing not to excuse anything, but it's like, man, we have all these flaws and we can only just do the best that we can. Excellent. So, um, I think I'll just, uh, hold off on giving my answer to that one purely because we're running out of time. I do apologize, but I want to give you both. I want to give you, tell us what you think, bro. Come on. All right. Real quick. So down the rabbit hole, we got seven minutes. You got me for seven more minutes. (laughs) Okay, I didn't know your time in it. Um, I'm just joking. Yeah, I, I just, I, that, that'll make it an even two thirty, two minute, two hours and thirty minutes. I guess I'm a little bit more on the religious side. I don't know. I mean, I believe in God. Like, especially ever since this COVID thing happened, I just I have a new take on things. Like, I uh, you think God gave us COVID? Sorry, I I do. I think this is all part of His plan. God gave our enemies COVID. I think uh, I think I really think that God is actually in control of the devil and anything that the devil does. And, you know, I can use this argument with any religious person or any Christian and they eventually have to start believing in me or not believing in me. I'm sorry. I'm not Christ. But, you know, believing me um, because I'll say, hey, well, if God is in control of everything and God's the creator and he's the one in control, then he's in control of the devil, right? Because everything comes from him. Yeah, okay, so everything that's happening, really this is some plan that God wants to happen because somehow it figures out who's the good people or who's the bad people or it involves us spiritually or something like that. So I do think we should get rid of religion in a sense, but I think we should replace it with a one-world religion, like one that's... I, I know that I'm not like New World Order or anything like that. I don't start getting crazy people, but I, I think that we need a religion that is just more about the ancient mysteries and more about just looking into the past and looking at Egypt and Sumer and Babylon and places like that. And just finding an average, like let's take them all and just like find an average and then just have a book called the new Bible. And if anybody's interested (laughs) in religion or spirituality, they can use this sort of like a jumping off point. I know I'm getting totally weird here, but they can use like a jumping off point and they can explore things further. If they're spiritually inclinated, I think that, Instead of our government being anti-religion and everything being anti-religion, I think we need to be more pro-religion, but pro-everybody's religion, not a particular religion, just pro-spirituality in general. I think we need a huge emphasis on that. I think it should be taught in schools. I think there's classes you should be able to take on spirituality, and I I think we should take it seriously instead of just treating it like foo-foo, you're crazy, Daniel, you're crazy. You know, I get that a lot, obviously. No, it's not (laughs) crazy. But but let me just make this point real quick, which is, this is, not, I'm not saying that you're a problem, okay? But this is a problem. <laughs> no, that, I get it. Go ahead. I totally society get it. runs into right. It's the pendulum problem. This is the pendulum. This is the this is this is how you jumpstart a movement. Is you go so far into the other direction, 
that like you you pray that the mo- that the momentum swings back in your favor a little bit and then and then you feel like you know you you've done what you're meant to do with the with 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 saying that so i'm not saying i disagree and but i'm just saying that 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 just be careful about you know you, there's there's something to be said about progress and like and small victories and 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 cover and and covering covering your you know like and, and i mean just basically what i'm just trying to say is don't just jump into something so blindly and this leads to a false sense of that sometimes like yeah like you know it's too um tribalistic in a sense and that's just the dangerous in, yeah, in and, general. And I totally get to that. And I get why nobody would probably really want this sort of thing. Well, and I get a we, lot of pushback. We on had it. that. We had that. It's called mystery schools. And then there's also Aleister Crowley kind of stuff, the uh, Thelema or whatever there are. And well, there still are like, you know, mystery schools is kind of what you're referring to. And I think Captain I think Fantastic. And I think also it's important to bring back, you know, critical thinking and like the trivium, things that they taught in schools, right? It's like that sort of the Greek philosophy and, and questions of antiquity and stuff that has just been replaced over time by the Prussian school system. So I absolutely agree with you, Daniel, in the sense that you would probably like a philosophy cat is someone I follow. She talks about mystery schools, but she also talks about whatever sort of religion in a sense resonates with you as long as you know what the takeaway message is however it's delivered to you um but in terms of the pendulum that reminds me of the hermetic principle of rhythm i think what you're referring to the winning position like i mentioned the whole system is designed to push your buttons and the winning Mm -hmm. position is to be actionary not reactionary if you're reactionary then you're panicking you're predictable and you're easy to control but being actionary is doing what you need to do in life and i don't mean that in that solipsistic satanic self-preservation sense only you know it's still being responsible in relation to other people and yourself but it's just you you know being the master of your own life and and again just to counter daniel what he said real fast i kind of hate to say oh everything happens for reason and i tend to interject here when it comes to god is the free will idea of like well what you know god exists or whatever but you know, maybe everything that's terrible that's happening isn't happening for a specific spiritual reason other than causality, other than let's say God is just kind of staying out of it because of that free will principle. I mean, if you had God intervene, you wouldn't really have free will and you would have a different sense of slavery, even if it was something in your favor, right? I always make fun of people that are into astrology and stuff because they'll like, let's say some of them reject government, but I'm like, so you're cool with the planets telling you what to do? Or if you say soulmate, isn't that a form of slavery because you're implying that like something is, you know, uh, faded in someone's life, so to speak, even if it's in a positive direction, wouldn't that still be a form of slavery? So, you know, just don't feel bad in the sense that like mystery schools was, and it can still be a thing. Yeah. It's just kind of a matter of do these people in power really want that information to get out there, but Hey, look, we are hitting the top of the hour. So I do want to go ahead and give you both a chance, not only to do your plugs, but go ahead and hop up on that soapbox one more time and just say whatever you would like to say to my audience out there. Take as long as you'd like, uh, Dave, go ahead. And Thank go ahead and follow much. it up Again, with plugs. Daniel, too, I love the show. I've been a fan from since day one, you know it. And, um, yeah, just please, Go to my YouTube, Dave Sarah, Dave Sarah, Dave Sarah, Dave Sarah. Please go to my YouTube, subscribe. I'm very close to being partnered. 
any little bit counts. I need to hit over a thousand subscribers. Go to my Twitter, Dave Exhale. Um, come to killdiscord.com, www.killdiscord.com. It's a Discord channel for like minded individuals. It's mostly about comedy, but it's about a show called Kill Tony that I'm very uh, happy about. And that we have a lot of friends and a great community. And so thank you very much again, Danu. Rachel, it was a pleasure meeting you. It's a pleasure meeting you too, man. You know, thanks for thanks for joining us, even though you're working for Tesla, clearly. But um, yeah, people can reach me at Rachel D. Tobias and this T-O-B-I-A-S. I also am the co-host of RTR Truth Media, which is on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I also am an artist and I paint and draw and write comics, stuff like that. You can find my stuff at amertastudios.com. That's A-M-R tastudios.com and daniel thanks so much for having me on your show like i really appreciate the work that you do i feel you when you say you get depressed and all those things but like just know that you're putting good out in the world and you're really getting people to think and that work is definitely appreciated so thank you again even if you feel a moral sense of obligation to do it it's like i still do appreciate you putting yourself out there and having us on yeah, I absolutely appreciate that. And I, of course, I appreciate both of you coming on here. I think it went really well. I had a lot of fun. I think it was a big hit. I'd definitely like to do this again in, uh, you know, various forms and different mixes of people and stuff like that. I, I think this really turned out well. And I'm going to let you both go, but I will absolutely be in touch. You have a good night. Thanks, guys. Take care. And there you have it. That was the, but that was definitely the first time we've done, done the whole shebang with video. So that's kind of cool. Um, I don't have a huge show prepared for after the round table section. I do apologize. I would like to go longer, but I've been working all week and I started the show a little bit early just to make sure we could, um, you know, connect the dots and everything. So I'm a little tired. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was, I was eating pizza <laughs> during the whole thing. And usually I don't eat during the show, especially when I'm on camera, but, um, I was, I'm really happy with how that went. I thought that was pretty cool. I just want to do something a little different. Like you see a lot of these podcasts, uh, Bobby Lee, like they kind of have an actual studio set up. So that's kind of a goal of mine. And that probably wouldn't happen unless I became a lot more famous and rich and had had people willing to like fly a plane to come <laughs> be on my show. So we'll probably stick with the Zoom and the Skype and stuff like that for now. But hey, I'm I'm back. Like I'm always back. I don't really leave. I take long breaks, but I'm really intent on focusing heavily on this show. And I'll be honest with you guys, it has it has to do with me i mean i want to take this show to a new height i do i've been doing different things i've been pushing myself i've been writing i've been writing articles so if, if you like to read articles about truth topics check out endofdaysradio.com click on truth articles and you can read my writing i'm trying to disseminate truth as many ways as i possibly can and i absolutely love writing like i've always had you know, authors and people like that on my show, but I have never really been that person myself. And I love having an opinion. I love putting pen to paper and putting my ideas out there 
and I, I love when people invite me on their show. Um, what's tricky is that a lot of stuff that I have floating, floating around up here is people from, <sighs> I'm still all over the place, is stuff from other researchers and guests and stuff like that. So I have my own thing, if that kind of makes sense. So if you get a chance, head over to endofdaysradio.com. Check out all of our past episodes. Stay tuned because I plan on doing a lot of new shows. A lot of them. Like I want to get back to once a week and I'm serious about it this time. And, and you know, I'll be honest with you. Part of that reason is to collect donations. <laughs> it's true. I mean, this show, it takes a long time to produce. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of time. And I do need the donations. I need the donations so that I can get paid for my time. Even if it's like not even close to being minimum wage, even if it's just enough to buy me a beer. I love that because it shows me that you guys out there care. It shows me you're willing to support this show. You're willing to pay for it, even though you don't have to. And I will always do the show for free. I will always do articles for free. Everything I do is hundred percent grassroots. It will always be disseminated to you for free. It's always going to be produced for free, but at the same time, I am collecting donations and that does help me quite a bit. You, if you donate to the show, you're going to be helping, you're going to be helping this show. I mean, you're going to be moving me to the direction where I can have a studio or something like that, or I can expand things. I can make the website better, or I can, um, you, you know, I, I can uh, do more with what I have. So I really appreciate that. It motivates me to keep doing this show. And uh, not that I would ever quit, but you know what I mean. It's just a hell of a kick in the pants. So if you don't mind, please donate. Go to endofdaysradio.com. Click on that PayPal link. And PayPal is going to be getting Bitcoin too. So you'll be able to actually do Bitcoin through PayPal, which I think is really cool. Hopefully that's not all screwed up. But yeah, just please donate if you don't mind. I've... I've always been the guy that's like so against acting this way, but that was immaturity because the truth is that you got to support the truth movement buy people's books. You know, even though if you, you can find a free PDF online, in a lot of cases, buy their book, you know, show them some love, show them some support. It really helps a lot. And I want to be worthy of that too. I don't want you guys to just like, I don't want to be up here just begging for money. I want to be putting out content so good that it's like, Daniel, you're insane for doing this for free. And then that's going to make people want to donate. So I just appreciate all of you guys so much. And I really want to say a big warm thank you to all the people that have donated. Since I started bringing it up, you guys have shown your support and you have started sending those donations in. And I thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It does help, <laughs> especially in these times with this COVID and all that crap going on in the world. I wish I had more of a show prepared instead of just begging for donations, but really I don't. I'm fucking tired. You see the circles under my eyes? You can't see them that well in this light. But people tell me I look fucking tired, and I'm like, you know what? I am fucking tired. I am. I'm tired and I'm depressed. <laughs> what do I have to be depressed about? Well, look around you. The world's coming to an end. I'm getting better, though. I'm starting to turn back to the old me. So... Once again, go to endofdaysradio.com. This is The Broken Ruins. Hit me up on Twitter, at Ninja Shoes. Uh, hit me up on Instagram, End of Days Radio. Hit me up on Facebook, find the End of Days Radio page. Hit me up on Parlor, Conservatives, Red Team. Um, End of Days Radio on Parlor. You got to get on Parlor. If you're not on Parlor, you got to get on Parlor. I don't care who you are. Get on Parlor. Uh, it's like the conservative Twitter, but 
the censorship's a little bit more easy there, so you should probably be able to say more of what you want. But it's not as feature rich, so that's why I'm still on Twitter. Plus, all my buddies are on Twitter, so um, you know, Twitter's still sort of the main thing for now. I wish I could be a huge rebel and say, "Oh, I don't do Twitter. Fuck Twitter." But I don't. I'm fucking addicted to Twitter. I'm on Twitter all the fucking time. Twitter is the reason why my life is in a terrible state. No, I'm just kidding. I am on Twitter too much though. So hit me up on that Twitter before I get banned, before my account gets suspended or deleted. Hit me up on that Twitter. And of course, if you want to come on the show or if you have a guest or you want to invite me on your show or your podcast, hit me up at DanielEndOfDaysRadio at gmail.com. Once again, that's DanielEndOfDaysRadio at gmail.com. Other than that, uh, all, all, uh, you know, I want to say something about God. I do. It's hard for me to find the right words. And I know it sounds hokey, but I, I just want to say I am a believer in God. I, I do believe in Jesus Christ. I don't care if that makes people think I'm stupid or less intelligent or a dork or whatever. I do believe that there is a Messiah coming to help us out with this. I do. What other hope do we have? Right. I do believe that there is, I, I do believe Jesus Christ or Yeshua, he's going to come back and he's going to help us out with this stuff. So keep your hopes up. Don't let this COVID shit get to you. Don't let the World War Three get to you. Don't let the forced vaccination or the camps get to you. Who am I kidding? It's going to get to you. But there is a hope. There is a fucking hope. There is a hope. This is End of Days Radio from the broken ruins of Babylon. I will see you next time. I can figure out how to actually end my show.